Hey, is this thing on? Lance, Nick, ready? Can you hear me? Welcome to the Live Free and Hunt podcast. record we can get going here already live free and hunt podcast episode 25 26 25. i don't know what episode it is sure but we're gonna go um we have neil adam and kev on tonight and um i think we're just gonna we're gonna talk about whitetails we're gonna pick neil's brain about all things whitetail but i uh i want to go into adam Last time you were on, we talked about uh, you starting to shoot a recurve or a traditional bow, and I think you were making your own arrows or quivers, uh, your own fletching with turkey feathers. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think last time you were on, you said that you wanted to shoot a deer with the recurve, and that was your goal for the year. Um, I want to go into Kevin Neil, your buck that or Kev, uh, Neil's buck that he shot this year. And Kevin was filming. We saw that video. Yep. And uh, other than that, I think that we're just going to talk whitetails and maybe a little bit of turkey. Oh, I don't know about <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> we're we'll throw Neil out and then yeah, we'll get into the birds. I may take a nap on maybe that one. Maybe some saddles, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe some saddles, too. Yeah, we'll so, get into that. Um, Adam, if you want to go into um, the deer that you shot, I know you can start at the very beginning because, like I said, at the last podcast you had, we had, we were talking about uh, sure. recurves. Yeah, actually, it was a longbow that I was hunting with. But yeah, I shot it all winter and finally got good enough. I feel I could kill something at 20 yards or so. So, But I was hunting a piece up, and I won't see the town, so people don't see my truck and they start <laughs> following me around, you know. But uh, I was actually hunting a pretty good buck. I, I was out hunting in the morning. It was opening day. And uh, I'd hunted till almost 10 o'clock and got a call for a track with the dog. So I left my hang on stand there, went out and tracked his buck. We didn't find him. The guy didn't kill it or whatever. But by the time I got back to hunt in the afternoon, I didn't have my hang on stand for the spot. So I was down to my climber, which kind of sucked because I had my tree picked out in the hemlock. Yeah. And we know you can't get up in the hemlock with a climber. So I poked <laughs> around. Branches. It was, you know. Yeah. But I had a buck that was coming in as early as 4.30 in the afternoon, a real big, heavy eight-point. Mm -hmm. And I had enough photos of him that I thought, boy, I got a good chance of killing him, but I got to do it in the first couple of weeks because he's probably going to disappear. <laughs> yeah. So I get in there and check a couple cameras, and sure enough, everything looks good. But I had to choose a tree about 70, 80 yards away maybe. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was about six, quarter after six, I heard some crunching behind me, and I look over my left shoulder, and sure enough, there's that big old buck. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So I'm trying to get up and turned around. That big deer got to about 17 yards, and I'm looking through branches at him without a shot. And he had to take about two, maybe three steps, and I would have had a 15-yard shot at him. But he hung up right before he got there, and I'm sitting there staring at him going, come on, come on, come on. But he smelt something, gave a little blow, jumped back to about maybe 30 yards, and stood there. Now, if I had a compound bow, I'd have sent one right through him. Yeah. But I'm sitting there with my longbow going, what the hell am I doing <laughs> with this, this out here? You know, <laughs> This biggest deer I've ever been around, and I, I don't feel comfortable launching an arrow. Yeah. And he just walked off. 
And I thought, well, that really sucked, you know. But a little while later, some more deer had filtered in, um, and I had two does out in front of me. Sun's going down, and before the sun got down, I got a shot off on a nice doe. She was a little over 100 pounds, but nice. um, I wasn't even sure if I hit her, which was weird. Usually, I don't know what it was. I think maybe the excitement of finally releasing an arrow out of yep. a longbow for the first time at a deer. And, but I got down, and I couldn't find my arrow. I thought, well, shit, if I, it should be in the ground. I'm, in, I'm 20 feet in a tree. And with a little while longer, I looked some more, found blood. I pulled out. Came back the next morning and found her with the dog. Oh, awesome. I figured I ain't going to blow it. I'm going to let her do it. But she was maybe 70, 80 yards away. How, how close was that shot? Uh, probably 17, 18 yards. Yeah. And I shoot 45 pounds out of a longbow. Everyone shoots compound bows. I shoot a lot faster mm-hmm. and a lot more heavier of a weight. So you wonder, is 45 pounds enough? Right. Now, we were spring turkey hunting this year with Kevin. I won't mention the broadhead's name or nothing like that because I don't want to do that. But I shot a mechanical at a turkey and bounced it off the side of the bird. Oof. Mm. Yeah, oof. We called we called him in <laughs> out of private property across the field, <laughs> up onto a stone wall. I'm hiding behind a big old dead pine. And that bird jumps down off and comes over to the decoy. And I do back and send it. And it bounced off the bird. No it lim- shit. It limped away. Kevin's filming the whole thing. He's looking at me like... Did I just yeah? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking bounce it. Did I just fucking that? bounce an arrow off a so turkey? Now I'm, deer, now I'm deer hunting with the same bow. Yeah, but I went to a two blade razor shop. Smoky yeah. Eskimo broadhead, totally different setup. Mm-hmm. Um, but to shorten this story up too, the doe I shot must have just turned towards me, quartering to me a little bit. I shot her through the third rib, cut that rib in half, went through her entire body. Arrow came out her ass on the other side. Wow. With a 45-pound long 40 pounds. Mm, yes. Wow. Yeah. No shit. So um, it put to rest all my worries about using that bow and that setup for shooting the deer. Yeah. But that must have been, you must have been fucking psyched. I was almost crying. To be yeah. Honest. That's a big accomplishment. It was. I, I was hoping I could do it. You know, a lot of people yeah. hunt a long time and never shoot one at all, yeah. especially with traditional gear. So when I came up, when, I, when we were tracking with the dog, we got halfway to the deer and found half my arrow laying on the ground. As soon as I saw that, I knew I had a dead deer. Right. There was no question. Yeah. And then when we saw her piled up, it was just, it was pretty emotional. I just sat there, and it was me and my dog in the woods. Right. And this doe. And it actually happened. It, it happened. <laughs> yeah. And I, I felt pretty lucky, you know, and fortunate to, to happen so quick. So. How, how long had you been shooting a longbow previously? Uh, I picked that one up about two years ago. Yeah. And I shot it for several months and put it away and said, I'm never going to figure this thing out. Yeah. This is just too hard. And then I finally put my foot down on myself and shot it all winter. Mm-hmm. And um, I watched it. Uh, there's a video. If you get on the traditional archery pages on Facebook, everyone will tell you, watch the video, The Push. It's a video about traditional archery, really goes through it and gives you techniques and ways to shoot the bow. And I went from a split finger to three under, yep. gap shooting, and my shooting tightened up overnight. And before I know it, 30 yards, I can, I can hit a four-inch circle all day now. Really? Yep. So, but it's holding it together and getting released. It's not like, you know, the compounds, everything's a given. You hit a dead stop on your jaw. You got a sights and everything on. So you, having your form proper is a lot more critical. Yeah, yeah. So when the deer's showing up, especially on your first kill with a bow like, you know, with a bow like that, you're... Your nerves and everything's going wild. So that's just me with a regular gun. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but getting that release. But you know, luckily, I think I've I've shot a pile of deer over the years, so yeah. that part of it right it helps me control it. But Good it was deal. quite a moment, and I'm looking forward to the next one. Yeah. What's your What's your plans? Are you you're still going to turkey hunt with it? Yep. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Good deal. We'll get it done again. We'll get it done with the right broadheads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those wing feathers can get hard, huh? Yeah, I don't know what it was. Are yeah, you shooting and... a squirrel tip at it? You know, one of those blunt tips with, no. the, with the broads? <laughs> no, I think what it is is you need a cut on contact. You know, the mechanical yeah. broadheads, the way I thought it might have happened is the quills of that that wing feather were going one way, and maybe the the broadhead, when they opened up, slap cut perpendicular to those quills. So yeah. as they came up, it hit like a springboard and must have bounced off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think a cut on contact. And, uh, I mean, I can sharpen those things razor sharp. I can shave with a darn thing. Yeah. But I don't think there's anything better than a two-blade broadhead out there. Because the entire force of that bow is cutting two slicing, <clears throat> you know, two razor blades cutting through whatever you're cutting. Yeah. And there's a video online where a guy takes a piece of rawhide and puts an arrow on a scale and starts pushing on different broadheads to see how much force it takes to cut through that piece of rawhide. And when he's taking mechanicals, some of them he's pushing so hard, he's afraid he's going to slip and cut himself, so he stops. And then he takes that two-blade Zwicky Eskimo, razor sharp blade, and touches it. It doesn't even register. It just slices through. So that was a big eye-opener, yeah. too, where you kind of go, all right. Because when you're shooting that lower poundage, you've got to kind of stack the odds in your favor in a different way. So right. I think that's the way to do it. Good deal. Kevin, you shot, go through your season. We'll start there. Oh, boy. My season was unreal. Um, just for, on a personal level, just, yeah. um, I, I, it's hard to think about it now, just from, from where I've come from <clears throat> just five, six years ago. Yeah. Um, season started off. Did you find, uh, I, I didn't mean to in, yeah. interrupt you, but you, did you put, you found like a target buck that you wanted to shoot and then like sent it? Kind of. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of an adjustment that I've made the last few years. Um, being more mobile in my hunting style, yeah. um, has, I think in the last three, four years has grown my deer sightings um, greatly. Um, I probably mentioned in the first podcast, but when it, the first 10, 15 years of my hunting career, I just find a tree in a good area, put a hang on stand there and I'd sit it every single day yeah. just thinking, all right, there's a deer's going to come by here eventually and I'm going to be here when it does. So I've, I, it took in the last handful of years meeting Adam and talking with other people, um, talking with Neil. Um, just what I've learned from these guys over the last handful of years is just, you got to go find the deer. Like you can't wait for the deer to come to you. And I would go seasons before without seeing deer. Um, this past season, 20, 2020, I saw 51 deer while hunting. Um, uh, what? <laughs> I mean, from what, from what no, I yeah. used to be happy about seeing one, yeah, it no, was just crazy to me. For sure. Um, so that's been a big change in the mm-hmm. last last couple of years for me. Um, so this year, I've in the last couple of years, I've started targeting, finding big deer, and targeting the big deer. But I'm not so worried about shooting that 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 deer. Mm-hmm. What I figured is, if I'm going to target the biggest deer, oldest deer, most mature deer that I can, and that deer is going to lead me to other deer, because um, I don't. I'm I'm not at the point where I'm really picky about what I shoot yet. Yeah. Um, uh, no. I, I went into this year. I got gotcha. I went into this year <laughs> saying I'm going to pass on spikes. Yeah. That was my goal was to pass spikes. Mm-hmm. Um, I passed my first buck ever. It was a spike or a three point. And so this past year, I first time I ever passed a buck. You know, so that was that was just one of that that progression. But way I've thought about it is the the bigger older deer are acting differently where they're going to lead me the other deer. Um, if they're the hardest deer to find in the woods, I'm going to find the, the, the deer that aren't so hard to find in the woods, I guess you could say it. Um, so I've, I've grown my, my knowledge, I guess you could say my experiences a lot the last few years. So I opened up 
opening day, same night as Adam shot that doe. Um, I sat a spot and I had saw four deer that night, two bucks and two does. Um, a couple do they came out to an apple tree hundred yards away from me. Um, watched them for a little bit and they disappeared before dark, but the bucks kind of sparred and tickled the antlers a little bit in the field and bumped the does around a little bit. So it was just a really cool night to just to be out there for the first night of the year and stuff. Yep. And then to be getting messages from Adam, you know, right after he, he shot that doe. So it was a good, it was a he good went, night uh, overall. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, let's go. Exactly. I mean, it was yeah. just a great way to start the year. <laughs> he was um, ready to come get that doe that night, by the oh, way. I was. Oh, absolutely. Let me know. I'll be right there. Yeah. I'm, I'm go. going to let it set. Yeah. We'll get it in the morning. Um, so that's, yeah, so that was opening day. Um, and then just a handful of days later, um, Neil had messaged me saying, Hey, you interested in coming over? I got a spot picked out to where, you know, I've got some, some bucks coming in. Um, so, I mean, when, when Neil messaged me asking me if I can come with him, it's pretty much drop what I can do and beg the wife and get there as soon as I can yeah. type of situation. Um, so I was, I was lucky enough to get with Neil, t- team up with Neil and get out for an early season morning hunt where he was able to shoot that, that nice big eight point. Um, so that was pretty cool because that was the first or second weekend of the season. That was the first weekend of the first, season. First yeah. weekend, yeah, first Saturday. Yep. So we were only a couple of days into the season there. Was um, it really? Yeah. Yeah, September 19th. You shot that thing Saturday early. morning. Yeah. It was. We had that freezing cold morning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was like right. 29 degrees out when I left my, my house that morning. It took forever to get the video out. Yeah. Yeah. Who's doing that? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you had all hunting season getting in the way. Yeah, so yeah, we got that video out recently. So that was, that was pretty cool to be able to get that one out there. My favorite part of that video is like, uh, at the beginning, um, your your have your own your ozone thing going. Yeah, a little closet. And you had like gloves on. I was like, oh shit, I think Kevin and Neil are getting a little bit too close. He had the, <laughs> the rubber gloves on. No, it's no, it's, but it, no. Neil is super. I mean, Neil's very detail oriented. I yeah. mean, that's one of his biggest attributes is just the the attention to detail that he puts into things. Yeah. Um. So when I'm going with Neil and going out with Neil, I kind of. I kind of up my game as much as I can because I don't want to be the reason that that something yeah. goes wrong. Um, Neil's targeting these deer for a reason, um, and he's got a system. He's got a way of doing things. So, I like I said, I just I'm gonna go through every measure I can to be a part of that system when I get to go with them. So, so. before we get into the hunt, very much, um, Neil, how much do you like beast? How important to you is scent control, and how like far do you go with that? Is is it like you as far as Inglehart or Inglehart, you don't eat onions or don't drink coffee, or is it? I don't necessarily go quite that far, but yeah, it's something that you know over the years when I was trying to target mature bucks, I wanted to try to do everything I could to stack the odds in my favor. So that was one of the things that scent control is obviously a big part of the game. So I started learning as much as I could about trying to figure out ways to eliminate as much scent. And now it's gotten to the point where I feel like I don't need to worry about necessarily as much as what I used to, but also a lot of what I do is now just become part of the repertoire. So it's, you know, just like tying your sneakers, brushing your teeth. You don't think about doing that stuff anymore. You just wake up and do it. Um, how, so. how particular are you are? Like I, everybody does the wind, obviously. And I think uh, thermals have come into the conversation in the last couple of years. Like that's important. But other than playing the wind and the thermals, like how far do you go with... Are you pumping gas? Are you eating snacks? Neil goes you far go? enough that he doesn't worry about the wind. 
I usually, yeah, I don't. Like, I usually don't worry about the wind. I mean, I'll you try don't to, worry about the wind. No, okay. I'll try to take it into consideration. I'll try to, you know, I'll think about it. I mean, because that's just one of the factors. Whether you said thermals or the wind, but for the most part, it's not going to really factor into where I sit or where I don't. I mean, I may try to set up around the spot that I want to hunt with the wind. You know, obviously playing a factor in the hunt but whether it's my wind that could potentially ruin the hunt or if it's the wind that's going to work to the buck's favor you know because depending on if they're leaving bedding if they're going to a scrape or a food source there's all the different factors of what the wind could be doing yeah. but when it comes to the scent control thing um, I think it's just for me it's become part of the kind of regular system where you know whether it's the whole year or especially like a month or two before the season it's like the washing machine's getting switched over to you know scent free it's like buy a new no washing way. machine babe get a new <laughs> washing machine <laughs> yeah. i mean yeah it's i mean and luckily you know it's like my girlfriend now it's like we haven't you know ever since even during hunting season i don't think i even did a load of laundry at her house but she switched over you know to unscented laundry detergent and it's still just you know that's still what's being run at her house i have a roommate at my house and so he's always been good that every season he you know puts all of his you know scented laundry detergent away you give him a washboard and be like yeah go back (laughs) (laughs) yeah i ain't doing my laundry anymore (laughs) no (laughs) but i mean so yeah so it's like you know washing the clothes it's like you know not just the loads that obviously you do but any load you know prior to the season and during the season Mm -hmm. it's unscented uh then from there uh, ozone is something that especially to treat your clothes um, they get hung up in a closet. I don't necessarily go as far as Kevin did with the rubber gloves, but I appreciate that he puts the extra effort in yeah. you know, before <laughs> we're going to go out and hunt. Um, but yeah, so it's like, I'll make sure though I am washing my hands. It's like, so I'm taking, you know, scent free soap and I'm scrubbing the crap out of them. You know, it's like before I'm taking those clothes out, taking them out of the dryer, putting them in the tote, bringing them downstairs, putting them in the, the ozone closet, running, you know, ozone to treat the clothes, turning them inside and out, then putting them in another tote that that's where they're going to sit until it's time to hunt with them. I'll drive to the hunting spot (laughs) in just, you know, flip-flops, shorts, T-shirt, get to the hunting spot. Then I'm changing into my hunting clothes at the hunting spot. Um, So then when I get back out of the woods, hunting clothes are coming off, boots are coming off. I'm putting uh, the scent eliminating, you know, boot powder that's in the boots to absorb any moisture, which then will cause bacteria and cause scent in your boots um then when they get back home it's like the gears being hung up in the ozone closet or i'm going to rewash it before i wear it again but it's just to me it's like that's just become kind of part of just the system you know it's like that i do so it's really not that much work because it sounds like a lot of work for me (laughs) (laughs) i haven't hunted like that yet so i mean but again you you get home right you hang up your hunting jacket yeah on you know on a rack somewhere so i'm just putting it in a closet and turning a little dial on an ozone Ozone, generator yeah yeah do you are you messing around with any like I know years ago scent killer or um, like what was the other brand sent away sent away yeah, spray. dead spray. dead down yeah. wind or whatever you don't I, I used to mess? use yeah I used, I used to, to use, use those a shit too. ton but I don't, I don't use them at all anymore no. yeah. okay yeah I mean sometimes I'll use it like. I mean, just as I'll have a bottle in my truck, so if I don't have a way to wash my hands or something like that, you know, I'll mm-hmm. spray down maybe my hat with it. It's like or I'll spray my hands down before I go in the woods, but that's about it. When you, when you, um, say going into like a new year, you don't have a buck. You you shot your buck that you wanted to shoot, and you're looking for another target buck. You go in the woods and set cameras. Um, so you go, uh, say, uh, middle of summer set some cameras out and you find a target buck that you you think that you want to uh shoot um how often will you go in the woods and like how particularly are you on going in there and without messing up that area 
Uh, I mean, in the past, I've been, you know, probably what I'd say, like overly, you know, protective of when I go into those areas, if it's a buck that I'm going to target. But pretty much now it's, you know, I have kind of targets that I've had from previous years that I've, you know, they've made the list or whatever, yeah. but then I'm always looking for new ones. So now it's like in the woods that I've hunted previously, I don't need to go there as much because I kind of already know what's going to be happening. I'll already have cameras there or spots that I plan on putting cameras. So I'll be able to figure out what's happening in those woods through those cameras. And then I'm always checking out new places. I mean, that's one thing that, you know, when I talked to, you know, Kevin quite a bit and my other buddies about, you know, it's like, okay, well, how am I going to, you know, be successful? It's, it's all about percentages. If you just have one buck that you're after, it's not always going to work out. If you have potentially 10 bucks or 10 or 20 different hunting spots, one of those spots is going to be hot. Like one of those spots is going to have a good buck. It's going to have daylight activity. So you're going to just stack the odds in your favor by having more areas and more places to hunt. Continue on with so start at the the scent free the gloves and the and the jacket so on that day you well, got you are i was gonna say actually so before that to rewind how this spot even came about to be right yeah so this spot uh was an area that obviously when we had you know all the covid stuff you know starting to happen last year uh, i started to do a ton of scoutings i wasn't working at the time and so this happened to be one area that i went into shed hunt and i happened to find three sheds so i said all right this is a spot <clears throat> before you go any further i called you uh like right around this time or i think it was probably summer like i i literally texted you and said hey i need to talk to you can you text me or call me and you called me and i was like i have this issue where uh there should be like a big buck here and i think that i I know where it is but i it's not it's not appearing and we talked about scrapes and we talked about whatever in that conversation i think we talked about like where you were you had some deer and you had cameras is this does this take place in that in that same piece of woods? Um, no, this this was probably a di- uh, this was a different piece of woods. Okay. So yeah, that area that you're talking about that's kind of part of what leads in the story too, because that area things had changed. Yeah. So what I kind of planned in going into the season as a spot that I thought I'd figured out early season, just everything kind of got turned upside down, and so it really led me to kind of that point of the story. Right, you got to have a backup plan to a backup plan to a backup plan. So because of doing all the scouting, you know, during the shutdown when I wasn't working and finding this area, finding sheds, I had come across a scrape that looked like it was really good. This spot in particular, historically, has been super heavily hunted. So I didn't really have high expectations going into this area to even have this be a spot that I'd want to hunt. Found an awesome looking scrape and said, hey, you know what, let me go ahead and, you know, come back closer to the season, put a camera on it and see what happens. So I happened to get a lot of activity at that spot on that scrape. And there was, as it got closer to the season, uh, quite a few bucks that were showing up. And there was two bucks in particular that, you know, were big enough that they were going to be, you know, kind of, I guess, added to the list. They weren't at the top of the list, but they were bucks that I would definitely, you know, want to target if they started showing up more and more during daylight during and going into the season. And the activity was a little weird. It was late morning activity. So it was around, you know, like t- between 10 and noon, I think, is when most of the activity was. Yeah, the pictures you would send me and share with me were like 930 to 11, usually, the pictures he would send me. So, and you're talking August, early September. Early yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. well, the reason why I don't, I don't think it's weird, the kind of the more I thought about it, because I always like to ask why, right? Like, yeah. why is something happening? Like, what's influencing that behavior? Well, if it's a spot that historically has been tons of hunting pressure, that's when all the guys are leaving the woods. So, you know, if, if you're a mature buck, you know, and you're going to go ahead and start roaming around, it's once all the hunters have left, it's now free, a free reign of the woods. So that was just kind of my theory on why it was happening late morning, which I wasn't really complaining about. Um, so it looked like a spot that, that could be good. And then with other things changing at my other location, uh, I decided to, I think it was cause what, when the season kick off, was it Tuesday, Tuesday, 
So yeah, so then it would have been, I'm guessing probably Thursday night. Uh, I ended up going to this spot, just did a hanging hunt near the scrape because I wanted to see like uh, where the deer could have been coming from. I had a good idea what was going on, but I wanted to just kind of observe. So I found a tree that was, you know, close enough to the scrape that I, you know, could actually, you know, get a shot. And so I climbed up the tree and I happened to have a, a doe and a fawn that night. They came, you know, in the area. I watched what they did. They kind of walked behind the scrape and then got dark. I pulled out of the spot. Uh, and then of course with a cold front coming that weekend, that's when, you know, Kevin and I had spoke and I said, Hey, it's going to be freezing cold Saturday morning. I hadn't really wanted to do early morning hunts anymore, like early in the season. Cause usually it's better in, in the afternoons or evenings. <clears throat> right. But I said, the conditions have lined up perfect. This place is showing on the cameras. There's activity in the mornings. Plus it's going to be 30 degrees in the morning. It's going to be below freezing, which you never have in September. So what made you like, what made you beside like I, everybody says the cold cold front cold front cold front what made you think that that, that was going to be like the best time besides just the cold front i mean i'd had consistent buck activity on cameras anyways for the most part um so between that and then just there's always you know mature buck movement like early in the season when it gets cold i've seen you're talking september you know going into october if there's anything that usually drops below 45 or 40 degrees or even colder deer move those big bucks are going to be on their feet especially it's like those mature bucks um that's when you're going to get pictures i mean it's just happened you know over the last i don't know seven or eight years of running so many cameras those big bucks are going to be on their feet and cruising around when it gets you know 40 degrees in september and october so it's it may not be where you want them but they're going to be up moving around they're going to be on one of the cameras i have somewhere so with that knowing that the spot with the activity that it had I just had really, really high hopes that it was going to happen. Didn't know it was going to particularly happen as early as it did, you know, that morning. But uh, but it worked out. So contacted, you know, Kevin, uh, you know, about meeting up and just said, hey, if you can get to my house early enough, let's see if we can pull this off. Uh, he's always asked to say, hey, if you think, you know, if there's going to be an opportunity to capture, you know, it's like a hunt on film that you think you're going to be successful, which doesn't always work out as planned um but but we've had you know pretty good luck in the, the couple times we've tried to put a plan together so yeah. um so of course you know th- then you know that morning um you know actually we spoke the night before you know about you know meeting there at what i think it was three i got to your house at four thirty, i think and then because we had gotten to the woods at five yeah, because we had parked, gotten there a little before 5, I think we had parked and started heading in. And then sunrise was 6.40-something, yeah, some, some, right around it's there. it's not early yet. Yeah. This yeah. is early September. Yeah, so, I mean, we he, we didn't have anything in the tree, so we had to do a full full setup. Yeah. Um, sticks, stands, everything. Um, so And it, we had a decent hike in there. So, we, yeah, we got in, in there pretty early, and we had just started settling in um it was all open pines where we were at so neil had his set up real high in the tree neil was sitting to hang on he's probably 25 feet and we're in a naked pine yeah there's naked no pine cover. there's, there's naked nothing pine. we're out in the, yeah we're sticking yeah. out like a sore thumb so yeah. this is a good thing to point out is like a lot of people like when you you're looking for deer sign and it's early september that's not necessarily acorn material you know you're not hunting a food source necessarily you could be hunting white oaks then yeah what i'm saying is you're you're sitting you're literally sitting in pines 
Yeah. Yep. So we're, we were sitting over yeah. a scrape. We were we were, we were yeah, sitting. My dear hunter would be like, we were, you know, we why were are you hunting sitting, a scrape. Yeah. 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 We were hunting a scrape where he was getting all the pictures at. Yeah. We were he were we were set up to shoot the scrape that he was getting the pictures yeah. at. Well, and actually, on that note that you had said, I actually went there uh, with a buddy. We went there a couple weeks ago to go shed hunting. And so, you know, I told him, look, I'm like, this is a spot, you know, where, you know, I shot that buck that the video was of. And he goes, all right, hold on. I can't understand this. He goes, why the hell would you have chose this spot to hunt? He goes, I'm, I'm not seeing what you're seeing here. He goes, I would have left. He goes, I wouldn't even kept shed hunting, let alone. He's like, I wouldn't have come back to actually hunt this. Yeah. And I said, it just so happened that I found what was a community scrape. There was, you know, multiple branches that was, you know, you know, you can see that there were licking branches. The ends of them were kind of chewed up. There was multiple scrapes on the ground there. So when you see more than one scrape in the ground, there was shit in the scrape. So I'm like, this is, you know, a heavily trafficked area. Yeah. Put a camera on it. And the camera just said, hey, this is... sit here, you know. I want to get into scrapes and, like, how you set your cameras up and how you you're base all, your hunts off scrapes. I want a camera that tells After. me where to sit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's the ones that are showing you buck get, pictures. I, I yeah. want to get, get into scrapes uh, later. So you're sitting in pines. Yep. Yep. Tall pines. So yeah. Neil's plat. Neil's about 25 feet up. Um, and then I went with my saddle. And this is a pre-hung stand. You said? No, no, no. no. We, so, we, so, we did yeah. all this that morning okay. so in the we, dark. Okay. Yeah. So we went in literally. Like we get there. It's like you know, walk up this hill. It's like I said, that's the tree you know that we're going to be sitting in. And I said, Kevin, hang out back here. So you're going to hang out. Speaking of scent, hang out a little way fr- from the tree. I want you, you know, to kind of hang out in this area. I'm going to walk over. I'll hang the sticks. I'll get my hang on set up. And then, you know, then you'll come over once we get up in the tree. That he's going to go above me and he's going to do his saddle setup you know, uh, above me in the tree and get the camera all set up. So we go through the complete setup, which naturally takes longer than what you anticipate. Uh, so at this point it's, you know, starting to kind of get, get light out, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it was just starting to get light out when I was getting up in the tree. Neil, like I said, Neil's at 25 feet. I'm up above him and Neil's 12 feet tall. So I think my yeah. platform was like 32 feet or something like that. And shit. Yeah. I'm shaking. I'm, I'm not a heights yeah. person. I do not like heights. So yeah. it was, it was something, yeah. It was something. So, and it was just starting to get light as we're we're settling in. Um, we're still mo- we're still moving, getting camera set up, getting layers put on because, like I said, it was twenty nine degrees, thirty degrees that morning. So, yeah. we carried in our layers. So now we're trying to get dressed, get camera set up, get bows hung up, and then it just started raining turkeys all around us. Um, and as as blowing down as, as yeah. a turkey hunter, I'm like, there's. How do how are we doing? How do we get this setup without busting all these turkeys? Yeah. And here in my mind, not being turkey hunter, I'm like, this is awesome. They're covering all our noise. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which which was cool. It was, it was ideal. But like, nor- like you go in the woods during turkey season, you walk under a bird, yeah. and that bird busts out of the roost, no problem. Or just won't say shit, and then yeah, correct, off the wrong way. Yep. So yeah, we're so we're still getting our gear going, getting settled in. Boom! It starts raining turkeys all around us, and the, I think the video shows some of that a little yeah. bit. And which, at- which actually, looking back on, I kind of anticipated because the night before I had seen pictures, you know, that had gotten sent to me of turkeys coming up to roost. So yeah. it's like I saw them coming up, you know, the hill, and I knew they were going to fly off that hill and roost. Because they had done that. Pines, yeah. yeah, they had done that on Thursday night when I was there. They did the same thing. I had mm. that whole flock of freaking 20 turkeys come walking up, and I'm like, well, great. That kind of ruins the evening hunt. Um, <laughs> but then that night, they did the same thing. They had come up right by where we were. They'd flown, they'd flown up into the trees. Yeah. So, 
when it started happening to me, it's like, all right, this is kind of just part of the plan. It's awesome because they're going to cover, you know, our sound. But yeah, uh, yeah, and it was a real crisp morning. They said it was so cold, so there's a real crowd crunch to everything. So the turkeys are making a racket, walking around, and I get the video camera going, recording them, kind of getting settled in, and Neil just gotten comfortable down below, and I videotaped those turkeys walking off, and they walked off right off my right hand shoulder. Um, which me facing the tree, Neil facing away the tree, would have been Neil's left-hand shoulder. Um, so they, they disappear. I cut the camera off and just kind of settle in, and it was five minutes later. You start hearing footsteps going in that same direction. I just kind of look over. I'm like, well, turkeys must be coming back this way, and just kind of peek over and, you know, waiting for the turkeys comes strolling on by because it sounds like they're coming right for us. And Wilson the turkey? All of a sudden, I, I see brown moving right towards yeah. us, right right through some tree list. So I'm like, oh, that's not turkey. So I whispered down it and I'm like, Neil, dear. And I'm like, like, all right, yeah, yep, well, Neil, whatever, Kevin. Neil, I'm Neil's like, okay. Neil's texting on his phone or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> TikToking. Well, in my, my mind, <laughs> yeah. Well, in my mind, too, I'm like, well, these bucks don't show up till late morning. So, you yeah. know, I'm like, all right, yeah. whatever. It's deer, yeah. but not the ones we're yeah. after. So, yeah, I, I look back up, look over, and they're still coming. I mean, they're <sighs> right off my right hand shoulder coming right at us. And I can just kind of see brown coming through the, through the leaves and the limbs and stuff. And I see a second body, and I look down, and Neil's still texting. I'm like, no, Neil. Deer, they're they're coming, and like I, I'm still TikTok. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Neil's still texting or whatever. I, I look back up and then body, yaddy, 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 yaddy. I look up and that's when I kind of saw antler coming, coming, coming through a couple of the branches real quick, and I'm like, oh, we got buck here. And I look down and Neil kind of started looking up again real quick. Mm-hmm. But what's really cool, um, why I really appreciate going Neil's. Neil's got his target deer, but whenever he invites me out, he always tells me to bring my bow. Mm-hmm. I'm like, normally as a camera guy, like, all I'm there for is shoot video. And Neil's like, nope, bring, bring your bow. If, if if the buck that I'm after doesn't show up, you, you have free reigns to pretty much whatever you want. So, in the meantime, I'm starting to get camera rolling. That, and now I'm grabbing my bow thing. All right, well, there's only one or two deer that Neil's shooting in this piece. So, odds are it's not going to be it. So, I'm grabbing a bow. And as in video, you can see this buck kind of pops up. I mean, at 20 yards, and as he yeah, comes... before you can really see what's happening. You can kind of see a deer coming, yep. but then when you finally get to see what it is, it's probably 25 yards yeah. off, maybe Just 30. Just because of the limbs and stuff, you couldn't tell what deer it was right. until he pops out. Um, so everybody's ready now at this point, right? Like, pretty, you, oh, no, I'm not no? I'm not ready really at all. No. Yeah. Like, so, no, at, at this point, I'm thinking Sounds my great. mind. Yeah. I, I, I literally look up right after getting on TikTok, and I look up, and I'm just like, <laughs> shit. I'm like, this looks like it's a shooter. Yeah. I'm like... <clears throat> fuck i'm not anticipating you know th- yeah. this early i'm like what's going on and so now in my mind i'm trying to evaluate like okay which buck is this mm. like yeah, i mean because yeah, i don't want to you know sh- shoot the wrong buck and i'm looking and he's coming in head on like straight at so as i'm looking down on him i'm just seeing like the hoops of his main beams i can't even see tines because they blend right in with his main beam so yeah. i'm just mm-hmm. when i'm looking down on it i'm just seeing this big you know u-shape and i'm thinking i mean it looks like it's a you know pretty you know pretty good sized beam so it was like it looks like it has all the makeup beam wise of being a shooter but i can't really tell and i'm like all right he's coming head on and he's not he's probably what like 10 15 yards below the scrape so the scrape is kind of still it's like more off to my left kind of up on the hill and he's coming a, a little bit lower below the scrape walking along the side of the hill and he's coming straight at us like and so now at this point i can't draw like i can't do anything because he's coming head on and then all of a sudden, at this point, like he just kind of freezes, right? Yeah. And as soon as he clears the limbs and you can see him good, he just freezes, and you see him look right up at us, yeah, like right in the video, you can see it. And he just does like a eyes bug out in his head, you know. It's like he just completely. Is that the deer that blew? 
No. Does it? There was no deer that nobody blew at us that morning. I don't think. No. So he just he just like locks I thought up. Thought there was a deer that blew in that video. No. 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 No, so he just kind of looks up at us and like he goes to spook a little bit and he kind of gets an, an antler tied up in a branch real quick and he kind of ducks underneath that one. He just kind of trots a little bit away. Yeah. So at, the, at this point, I'm waiting to get a chance to draw, right? And so, I mean, when he's head on, he sees us. It's like natural instinct would be to draw and now he's going to bolt. But I'm like, yeah. if, if I do, I know he's going to like really bolt. So at this point, when he kind of gets his, you know, antler, like I don't really realize until I watch the video later on, like, but his antler gets stuck like in that branch. And I just see him kind of like hesitate all weird like. And then at that point, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, all right, he's not going to just bolt. He's not just going to take off. It's like a weird hesitation. So then he takes like a couple of bounds. And as he takes like those kind of like just kind of lumbering fast bound kind of walk things, I'm like, he's going to stop at about 25 yards. So in my head, I'm like, all right, I'm a, I'm a single pin, you know, shooter, but it's set on 20 yards because the yeah. scrape wasn't far away. So I'm like, all right, he's still within range. I don't have to worry about moving any pins. It, it's still going to be perfect. And as long as he stops, he's not looking. So I just immediately drew. And at that point, the branches, it's like that you can see in the video because Kevin's up above me. Right. So it looks like there's not like perfect windows, but from where I'm sitting down below, there's perfect windows. Yeah. There's nothing obstructing. So I just put the pin on him and let it rip. I mean, it's just, just, I mean, it was, it was draw to pins there shoot i mean it was all probably in second half two seconds just drop boom and yeah yeah when i first saw the video i was like oh he's busted the deer looked like literally right it looked like it looked, oh, yeah, it looked right like at the yeah. camera like mm-hmm. oh shit and like it looked like he was gonna fucking nope he just kind of took off. two or three steps and yeah, just was slowly was walking yeah yeah, yeah so yeah neil shot yeah. that deer he took off down the hill and then when he was coming in that there was a deer or two behind him um, so as that deer takes off, I try and film that, but can't really get it. And I look back up, and then one of the other deers behind him was a smaller buck. Well, and which I want to kind of rewind just a little bit, too. It's like I got to give Kevin, you know, super credit because for him, the angle he was at, to be able to when that buck took off and, like, made those bounds going down that hill, to stay on him in that situation because that was, like, that was your, like, off angle, right? The, yeah, so he ended up at, like, my 6 o'clock pretty much. When I, when I videotaped that one, I couldn't even see the camera. It was yeah. pointing directly behind me, so he was, came from. He came from my right hand side, my three o'clock. Yeah, right down. So I had the camera on my right hand side. It was pointing straight at him off my right hand shoulder. So when he spooked, he spooked behind me. Ooh. So he actually. So I had to just turn the Fine. camera, and with this with the screen on the left hand side of the camera, it is now yeah, on the opposite. So yeah. I just kind of turned it and when i turned it the the video had kind of caught my jacket real quick so there's a little shake real quick in the camera that's just me getting it on, uh, off stuck off, yeah get off it off jacket. my jacket real quick i just kind of turned it and i'm like i think it's in that direction <laughs> yeah. no look past yeah pretty much are you want him <laughs> yep well, of course, like, I, I mean I, I and i know none of this right like yeah. at this point i'm just thinking okay it's like you know is it a shooter it's like okay boom he's, he's yeah. he sees us he's taken off he he stops and i gotta shoot just pull and draw so mm-hmm. it's like at this point like, i have no idea what's going on up with kevin up there i'm thinking okay this is easy for him you know he's just up there you know filming checking it out but then when you actually you know hear about it and see the video afterwards what he had to go through to get that shot was was phenomenal it's yeah. like to be able to pull that off so yeah that's crazy yeah and so then back to what you were saying it's yep, like so yeah that deer takes off crashing down the hill i look up and the other buck that was behind him is standing there at like 35 yards just kind of wandering around going what the heck just happened so I kind of I spin the camera back around, and he, that deer kind of takes a couple hops, and he's almost directly out in front of me, opposite side of the tree, almost behind the scrape that we are sitting over now. Um, so I just kind of turn the camera, get it pointed in that direction. So the camera's on the right-hand side of the tree. With me in the saddle, I swung around to the left side of the tree to shoot. Um, so I still wasn't 
worried about the camera. I couldn't see the camera again. Um, just zoomed it out so it was a wide, wide view. Um, and that deer came out, and I, I judged him at like 35 yards. Um, and there's just a couple little leaves and, and limbs in the way. And he stepped out, just cleared those a little bit, and I kind of settled the pin on him. And I let that one go. I think the the arrow, I think, just dove right underneath him, yeah. just just a hair. Well, and of course, um, I'm sitting down below him, and you know, we had talked. You know, as I, you know, Kevin had said, I said, hey, you know, bring your bow. It's like there's an opportunity at a buck. But we'd kind of talked about a couple or a couple of bucks in particular, right? Um, and so if there was other bucks outside of that, we had said, you know, Hey, it's like, you may want to pass, let some smaller ones go. It's like, but there's a couple of nicer bucks, but everything changes. All bets are off when I've just, you know, when I've just shot a buck, right? Oh, now, yeah. now at this point, it's like, who cares what steps out? Like we get a chance to double if we, up. Yeah, right? If we can Let's double, so, yeah, if so we can like, double out of the same tree in New Hampshire. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's what I'm thinking. But like, it's also going through my head cause I'm waiting. I'm like, all right, like that deer's there. Is he going to shoot? And there's a little bit of time that's going by, and I'm like thinking, well, maybe he's not going to shoot because maybe he thinks this is a deer that I don't want him to shoot right now. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, fucking let it go, Kevin. Like, shoot him. Like, <laughs> and, and so just as I start to go and look up, that's when I either hear or see, like, you know, the movement about to start to happen. So I just quickly look down, and I see that arrow take off and go. And, I mean, kind of same thing. I, I thought it, like, you know, dove either just underneath his armpit or just in front of him. Mm-hmm. Like, it, yeah. it, it looked like, I mean, it was, you know, for a miss, a clean miss, luckily. But, yeah. um and then, of course, that deer, you know, bounded, you know, just off, still not knowing what the hell was going on. It's like, right. it's still yeah. all confused. Yes, yeah, so yeah that, that deer walked off, um, and there ended up being a second buck. So when I shoot at that one in the video, if you look at the right-hand side of the screen, like, so you'll see the green knock go and that deer take off running. Nick, get the video up. What a lot yeah. of people haven't noticed <laughs> is on the right-hand side of the screen, there's actually a second deer that takes off running. Um that, that was on the opposite side that I never saw well, until, so until I reviewed deer total. The, yeah. so second deer after the one that I shot, but third deer total. Yeah, so that was the third deer that had been there. Well, third um, buck. Third buck. Third yeah. buck, yep. Yeah, he was probably the giant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so I've, I've reviewed the footage a lot at my house, and there's one point to where the camera's just pointing in that direction, and I can kind of see the two deer moving like way off in the distance, and Neil and I are talking back and forth. I'm like, wait, there's, there's two bucks still out there. And I've looked back at the footage, and there's a split second – to where a deer turns his head and it looks like an absolute giant. No. Well, because the deer that I shot, he was running with an, a, another buck that yeah, yeah a, a that, big ten. But they're pretty much always together. Yeah. yeah. So it would make sense that the other buck. So all, I, all season, I see like, is the head turn real quick and see like one side of the beam, and it's like it's a long ways off in the camera. But you can just I'm like, no, that's a big deer right there. <laughs> oh, so no. So now you second guess yourself. What if we yeah. just sat down and been yeah. quiet? Like what would have happened, happened and stuff? But no it shit. was super awesome morning either way. Wow. It's pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Nick's gonna bring the video up so we can watch it. But in the meantime, um, uh, Neil setting up, uh, going in, and I know you hunt over scrapes or you've tried to find communal scrapes, and um, put cameras on that. Like, how important is it to find scrapes and put cameras over it? And like, is that how, that that's mainly how you find? What kind of deer you're looking for? I mean, yeah, that's that's the main way I go about it. But I mean, if I go into a spot and there's you know a bunch of signpost rubs, or if I'm seeing you know a massive track somewhere, it's like, or even if someone says, "Hey, it's like I saw this giant buck," you know, it's like, I mean, I'll stop and I'll talk to people if I, you know, I've been scouting down in Massachusetts qu- quite a bit now, trying to find areas down there, and I'm not shy to go up and talk to people. It's like if I see, you know, it's like, you know, somebody out walking, I'll just, you know kind of introduce myself and say hey it's like this time of year i'm going shed hunting and i'll have an antler sitting in my truck and this is what i'm looking for you know mm-hmm. and yeah and they think that's cool and i'm trying to you know kind of build a relationship and a rapport and then i'm like by the, the way back 40 nick 
and you then sorry and then of course like you know then i'm like oh by the way like you know i like to target you know box with racks like These this yeah, yeah it's like not not this size <laughs> yeah. that i'm showing you but do you know of any in this area that you've seen crossing the roads that are just absolutely freakishly large and every once in a while somebody will say yeah it's like i've seen one like that off so-and-so road or you know in behind this building or this house or whatever so then at that point if there's not a scrape that's there if like i'm not seeing you know certain signs it could be breaks in rock walls it could be you know just anything that looks like it's going to be a pinch point i'll put a camera there but then i'll also just make a mock scrape at that point if there's not one to target i'm going to make one so hopefully at some point you know like there's a spot you know just recently uh, i've gone all through this piece of woods and i've seen you know i know because i've actually seen bucks in this area driving around that are there that are you know pretty good size but i've never found a scrape anywhere so i'm like all right well i'm gonna put a scrape there so and i've had a bunch of a bunch of activity on the camera now over the last month are you you're doing mock mock scrapes or you're trying to find like what do you think is better in your opinion? Like if, if you go onto a piece of woods and you see there's rut activity there and uh, like historically rut activity, are you making a, if you can't find like a communal scrape, are you making a mock scrape there and, and trying to attract deer to that area? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I've done that probably, I don't know, like th- th- uh, two times in the last like three weeks, probably I've gone into places and i've been like this is the perfect spot for a scrape like deer come through naturally all the time but there's no scrape here and i haven't found one anywhere around here so i'm like all right well guess what i'm putting in a scrape here Mm -hmm. when you make a scrape you're taking a branch scraping it scraping the landscape are you looking for it has to be over like a licking branch like uh, i'm assuming so yeah i mean you need you need a licking branch that that's there i mean obviously dig up the ground and so you know with a licking branch that's there there's so i try to find so this is where it kind of gets complicated because you want to find a spot that you're going to be able to hunt that deer you don't want to just make a scrape and it's going to be a shitty spot to put a stand up or it's going to be the wrong direction so where you're accessing those woods now it's like you have to walk through the area to go through or beyond the scrape to set up a stand it's like so you have to kind of factor all these things into the equation and so then when i make that mock scrape a licking branch that's there if it's not the perfect branch you can kind of i mean kevin and i did this recently in a spot where it's like you can make a branch better as long as there's a branch there um where there was you know one that we had recently was too high and so what we did is i took like uh like a dead branch so it's like a log that's kind of saturated it's because it's dead it's a little bit rotten so it's waterlogged and i zip tied it to the branch to bring that branch down to now perfect deer like scrape level where it was i mean i could barely reach up and grab this branch so it's now bringing it down to, to level um or in another spot recently there was i mean it wasn't even like a hemlock branch it's just like kind of like I don't even know, like an immature, like beech tree or some other, you know, type of tree that like is just gnarly wood that you couldn't snap the branch off. Like you have to just twist and twist on it and yeah, it's very yeah. fibrous. So there's one of those that overhung. And so I took another dead, like a dead tree, leaned it up against that tree. So it bent it down. And now at this point it's bending down this, you know, cluster like chandelier branches where that's just irresistible for a buck that walks by. He can just stick He's his head in this it. thing and <clears> branches right. friggin' all over the place. And so at that point, I'm either, you know, breaking off the, the ends of the, uh, the ends of the branches, or I'm taking like a little knife and just kind of exposing the bark at the end. And I'm kind of, you know, scuffing it up a little bit. Um, so, so that way it's like, you know, there's that exposed, exposed bark that can hold the scent from, from the bucks on that licking branch. We've, we videoed all this. So hopefully we get a reason this fall to put, 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 put it all together. Yeah. <laughs>
you you got something coming down the pipeline? I mean, hopefully we have a reason to use it one day, but we 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 did we did take a video of it to kind of hopefully build a storyline down the road. Yeah. I mean, like I do this stuff like all, all the time. It's like when I'm in the woods, but Kevin's like, "Neil, you got to start, you know, just capturing some of this video because it, yeah. if we go in and kill one of these deer in this area, like this just is all There's the no story. Just, it's, yeah. it's part of the storyline, yeah. Right. So That's what's hard about filming. If you want to film something, like I talk about this all the time. It's like that like it's uh November second. It's uh seven twenty one. Um, you know, it's seven twenty one. It's twenty eight degrees out. If you don't have that in a video, I'm kind of running. Video so is like it's junk. There's nothing there. There's no yeah. story. So I've got two more hunts on video this year. Um, my muzzleloader buck I videotaped, and then my Massachusetts archery buck I videotaped. So I've been trying to put my muzzleloader buck, New Hampshire muzzleloader buck, together for three or four weeks now mm-hmm. and it's I'm just, being very patient it's, <laughs> it's tough because it's i mean it's it's a typical new hampshire hunt to where you don't see anything for three or four days and then so every every day going into that i'm doing morning interviews in the dark saying this is the day this is what's going on this is why we're here and then that i think it was the fourth day i sat this spot you know, that morning I said, I purposely didn't do a morning interview. I'm like, nope, if I don't do one, I'm going to see something. I'm going to shoot something. So I'm like, this the one day where you don't do what you're supposed to do is the day that's going to happen, which is exi- that's how much, it usually works out. Pretty yeah. much exactly right. what happened. So I have no video until 30 seconds before I, 20 seconds before I shoot this deer for that day. So I've been trying to figure out how to incorporate a little timeline sequence of Sure, the, the, fir- pull the, the hunt together for the yeah the four first days the fir- yeah the first two or three days before yeah. so like problem is the first first two days saw no- nothing except for a couple of wood ducks so mm-hmm. it's you know there's nothing to really put together there except for the morning interview kind of third day I had a couple of does come by so like you could use something a little bit there and then the next day is the buck so it's well, just, yeah and then not only that too it's, it's like tough after- to put that storyline together. Of course, especially, especially when there's not a lot of encounters. Correct. Yeah, yeah. and self filming, and you know when I'm, when I'm with Neil, like I, I'm filming's on the mind. You know, it's not doing all the work, so well, able to too. slow everything down and get the extra footage. Yeah. Well, then after you're successful in a hunt, it's like at that point you want to celebrate, you want to have fun. So to go get all this extra footage just to have stuff for a video it's like you kind of lose ambition it's it's not priority at that point necessarily so so it's always good to try to get it before if you can yeah right. Right. so so yeah so i'm i'm battling trying to put that storyline together so still when, when you're doing a, a self-filming hunt and are you running a saddle setup what's your setup for doing your self-film yeah so i run saddles and hang-ons all yep. depending on on the setup um so Usually early season, all through archery season, I'm usually in a saddle moving around. Um, just all sticks, full setups each and every day pretty much 90% of the time. I've got a, a couple hang-on stands I have set up. Um, the buck that I shot my muzzleloader was in a hang-on stand. It's a spot that I had picked out on the map, went and scouted it, and it's, it's a little pinch point. I'm like, all right, this is a, a rut pinch point kind of funnel stand type type situation. Like... The bu- the bucks. I was, I was just gonna. Say, there's a difference between, like, when you were talking about like earlier in your in your hunting career is like you you go out and put a hang on stand, right? And yeah. And you're gonna sit there all all of the hunting season and maybe see a couple deer if yeah. you're lucky. There's a difference between a there's a rut stand, right? This is what I figured out. There's a rut stand where there's zero activity any other time of hunting season but yep. when it comes to the rut that stand is hot all the time year yep. after year after year yep so this one I, I this is the first year i've been in there 
hung some cameras in there and I really found this spot because there's a certain deer that I had started getting pictures of early in the 2019 season. Um, just a, a big bodied eight point. He's probably over 200 pounds dressed, um, 140 inch eight point mainframe eight point. Just a big giant body deer. And all of that year, I've been texting with Neil saying, "Hey, like I can't figure this deer out. Like where is he?" And Neil's just like, "You gotta gotta find his scrapes. You gotta just start expanding. Start start trying to find him." And I had come close a couple of times. I was within 200 yards of this deer twice while in stand, just from getting pictures while I'm in a stand 200 yards away. Um, so last summer I just kind of ex started expanding the search even more. All right. It's like start stretching, stretching out, looking, looking further away. And it was early October. I checked a camera and there was, um, an extremely large antler deer. I mean, probably far the, the largest antler deer I I've gotten on camera. And, um, what'd you do? I, I started moving all my cameras towards this deer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly. Um, Little pocket pool, huh? Go, <laughs> yep. Go so in on that one. I, I had put a, a cell camera on a pinch point in the swamp um, over at Beaver Dam, and I had gotten this this large antler deer. Um, I call him, I named him Dylan. Um, and there's there's a number of people that know about this deer in this area. It's kind of what I've kind of started hearing through the grapevine. His picture has shown up on Facebook before. Um, Doesn't that just make one a gag? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, I know of at least six to eight people that have pictures of this deer. No shit. And now you got to imagine how many people they've shown and told about. So, yeah. it's he's, he's there's a lot of people after him. Um, so, I found a pinch point swamp. Got a picture of him going over this beaver dam in the middle of the night one night. I'm like, all right. So, like, this is, if there's deer moving through these areas, they got to, because there's a couple cliffs in the area, real steep rock walls. I'm like, they're not going to be going up over these things. They're gonna be, they can't, for them to get around the swamp, they have to go a mile and a half to the north. They get around the swamp. So, like, yeah. this is the first point for them to get a, get across. So, I put a camera there, and I put a hang-on stand. Right, this is going to be a gun stand, rut stand. And I went into it, approached it, saying, all right, I'm sitting my entire vacation. I take a vacation. I was going to say, off well, you, of took work. A, you took a week off this year? Yep. So I, I usually take mine to the last th two days of muzzleloader season and the first three days of rifle season. So the rifle always starts on a Wednesday. Mm -hmm. um, and it's worked out the last two years. I shot my muzzleloader buck in 2019, the day before rifle. Um, this one just happened to be two days before rifle that Monday. Um, so I only hunt my, I, I work Monday through Thursday. I work four 10 hour shifts. So my vacation start on Friday. I sat this stand Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Didn't see nothing Friday, nothing Saturday. Sundays had a couple does come by. Um, Monday is when I went back in there. Um, and then I had this buck come through there. 9.20 in the morning probably that day. And I ended up shooting him at 65 yards. And he's just a he's a nice 8 point, 160 pounds, what he dressed out at. And he was the biggest deer I've ever shot in my life. Wasn't the number one target deer that I was after. Um, but like I mentioned to begin, like I'm targeting big deer, but I'm not dead yeah. set on shooting these deer. Um, Makes you gets you excited, right? Exactly. Shoot yeah, it. just yeah. just learning more. Yeah, I, this deer stepped as soon as I saw him. There was no question. Yeah. It was it was pull up. This and, one's going. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that that video is actually pretty neat. The video of the shot's pretty neat because the deer's crossing a little brook, the end of the swamp. So like you can see his reflection in the water with the way the sun's hitting him and stuff. Oh. So it's it's pretty neat. Um, when I shoot him, there's actually a splash from the bullet hitting the water 15 yards behind him. So like it looks oh, no in, in the video, it looks like I missed him three <laughs> feet over his back. That's pretty cool. So in the, in, in when I'm recording, I'm talking to the camera. I'm like, 
play the footage back. I'm like, man, I either, I think I see the bullet hit this deer perfectly. I go, but that splash is like three feet over his back. So I either missed him by a mile, (laughs) but I also think I saw him go down. I'm like, so I thought I saw this deer go down, but now I'm replaying the footage going, did I miss this deer by like three feet? Like Mm -hmm. that is, and I ended up figuring out how to really slow the footage down. And I was actually able to see see the impact of the bullet. And I'm like, Oh, I know that deer's dead right there now. Um, it's awesome footage. Yeah, it's it's pretty it, it, neat. It's good. it's not very long footage. Like I said, it's hard to put this storyline together for, yeah. f- to, to put it out there. But, yeah, I'll get it out there in the next couple of weeks. That's the hardest part, man, is just making it. If you're going to do, like, semi-live, if you want to try to do like videos yeah. and put them out, like, make a video and then get it out the next week or make it, uh, make it a whole story. Like, if you had a buck that you'd follow – it's doing the same thing over and over and over. Same thing with turkey season. Okay, it's 5 yep. o'clock, and now we're here, and after a while you get sick of saying it. But if you don't say it, then it's you can't. It's hard to which make is Which is exactly what happened that day, yeah. and I, I knew it was going to happen. Like, I yeah. purposely didn't do you're a morning truck, interview. You're not doing – yeah. Yeah. I purpose, like I told myself I'm not doing a morning interview today because this is – it'll be the day that it happens. Yeah. You know. Sometimes and, it's good luck. Maybe I'll do that. Yep. It's, like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's legit yeah. exactly what happened. So no, so that was pretty cool. So I ended up shooting that deer. So that was my second buck of the season. Um, and going into 2020, I'd only shot two bucks in my life. Yeah. So you just um, doubled down. Yeah. And then, Perfect. yep, so I shot that deer Monday. Took Tuesday to kind of clean up, reorganize gear, rest, because I'm still on vacation from work. My vacation just started. Yeah. Wednesday was the opener of New Hampshire rifle season. I didn't have a tag anymore. I'm archery only. I said, you know what? Screw this. I'm getting away from all the gun pressure, and I'm going to go check Massachusetts out. So I went and checked out Massachusetts Wednesday morning. Um, had scouted my way in to a spot that I had checked out during turkey season. Um, when I hunted during turkey season, found a bunch of old rut sign from the season before. So I hadn't been in there all summer, hadn't scouted it, hadn't ran cameras. So I just said, hey, I'm going to go check this spot out because there was buck sign in there in the spring. Um, hunted it for a couple hours. You dropping pins during tur- turkey season? Yep. Oh yeah, yeah. I had marked oh, yeah. some signpost yeah. rubs and stuff and stuff like that. So I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna bring some rattle antlers and a grunt tube, and you know, I'm just gonna go sit <laughs> on the ground, yeah. have some fun. And um, Champ had actually messaged me. I get a message like three o'clock in the morning saying, he's like, hey, you hunting today? I'm like, yeah, I'll be in Massachusetts. He's like, I really effed up my my elbow or something yesterday. He goes, if I shoot something today, you mind coming and giving me a hand? I'm like, nope. Let me know. I'll, I'll bail out of the woods. Yeah. I know my buddies, I'll bail out of the woods any time of day. Go help my buddies drag a deer out. I love dragging deer out, my friends. So hunted for two or three hours. And in the dark, when I walked in, I started running in the scrapes in the dark, 100 yards from the truck. Um, so I had scouted. Once the light came up, did some rattling sequences, did a little bit of walking, um, found a ton of buck sign. Champa went and shot a deer that morning, shot a nice buck that morning. So I bailed out of there, went and helped him out. Thursday morning, I went back in there. So Wednesday, after I helped Champ out, I went back with a hang-on stand. And I there was a hub of four or five skitter trails, all had been old logging skitter trails, and they all came to a central hub. They all led to one little one little area, probably a landing or something. Yeah. And there was just scrapes all up every single one of these skitter trails going all the way up them. And they all came back down to this one hub, and there's a big scrape in this hub. So I picked out a hemlock tree. That sounds like aliens, like when they make a one of those corn things. It's exactly what it almost looked like. <laughs> this that. is the main scrape. Yep, <laughs> yeah. it, it looked like that. So I, I hung a hang on stand thirty yards over this thing. I'm mean, you know what? I'll just, yeah. All the signs right here. It's only 150 yards from the truck. 
I've never been in Massachusetts before. I don't know what to expect in Let's here. Go. No cameras, no bucks, no don't know what's in the area. So went and hunted that. Hung that stand Wednesday afternoon, hunted Thursday morning, hunted Friday morning. Um, it had rained Friday, I think. So I climbed down early and just did some extended scouting, went deeper into the woods. And the further deeper I got, the less buck sign there was. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to keep on hanging out there by the hmm. truck. And then Saturday morning, I had a small little six-point come walking in the 30 yards and shot him with my bow. Smoked him. Yeah, so we got that one on video as well. So that's that's pretty neat. You guys had a good year. I feel like I sucked. <laughs> <laughs> like like I said, this is yeah. by far the best year. But best year of my life as far as hunting that's goes. Awesome. So Yeah, that's that was my year in a nutshell. What are you running for I'll go through like all three of you guys like yep. for um stand wise. Are you still running you said you got to hang on. You're running a saddle. You're running what else? Um, so I have a couple of heavier hang-on stands that I kind of keep as permanent stands. Um, they're just bigger, bigger platforms, more comfortable. And then is I, that is that like uh, your your hunting over sign that you know is like traditionally just good deer sign? Yep, good, yep. So good, I got one on that that rut pinch point. So that one's there. Um, the other one I never even put out because I got it last year. Um, it's hanging in my shed right now. I've never even used it. Um, excuse me. So I'm running, for my saddle setup, I'm running a tethered phantom saddle. Um, I have modified Hawk Helium sticks. Um, so they were, the original Hawk Helium sticks were a three-step stick. Last year, they came out with a two-step stick. The ones that I have were modified from a three-step to a two-step before they came out with the two-step sticks. So they were cut down. Um, so they're a shorter stick. Um, so I run a four, four sticks of Hawk Heliums with the phantom saddle, um, the predator platform. And that's kind of my early season mobile setup. Um, when Neil and I go out to the Berkshires way out west in western Massachusetts, I'll bring my saddle setup out there too. Just a little more mobile setup. Um, I've got my, my heavy-duty hang-on stands. Um, and then I've got a mobile hang-on stand setup as well. Um, so that's what I used in Massachusetts. That's a, it's an old muddy stand, muddy vantage point, I think. Yep. And they actually have brackets that they had for it. So you can put brackets up in the tree. And just, you just bring your stand. Yep, bring your stand. You drop that in there. So I've got a couple of those brackets. So I'm able to set up some of those brackets um, in a couple of different locations, and I can just bring my stand in there. Um, so that's it's a pretty pretty easy setup there. Yeah. It's not too bad. Adam, what are you running? Do you have an XOP stand? Yeah, XOP Vanish, and I run it with our Lone Wolf sticks. I I, I, I love it. I, 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 I was going to actually message you about that because I was like looking them online and I'm like, I don't know what I'm, I still generally, if it's not bow season, I'm on the ground hunting. If it, I'm either still hunting or sitting on a, against a tree or something. But just this year, I was like, I need to get, I need to get with it. What am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing here? But the XOPs I was looking at, and yeah, do you enjoy Yeah, that? nice and light. They're small, uh, lone wolf sticks. They pack in and out good and set up quick. Yeah. I do a rope mod on them so I don't have to strap anything to them with AM steel. Just wrap it around, a couple of twists around that button. Yeah. Cinch it off, go up to the next one. Doesn't take long. It takes longer to set up a camera than it does No more stand. ratchet straps, no more. Nope, unless you get to the stand. I bought the, the piece that you fix to the tree. So when I'm up there, I just strap that to it, and then that bracket, this, the XOP drops right into yeah. it. That makes it quick. 
So that's the way to go. Or I run a lone wolf climber. I love to sit and climb too. Yeah. If I can run a climber, I'll run the climber before the, the sticks every time because I can go up and down faster, quicker, and easier yeah. in a climber. It's just finding that tree. That's my issue. It's, I still run a yeah. climber. I still run. I have hang-ons, but generally I'm just, if I'm going to bow hunt, then I'm yeah. taking a climber in. But you find a spot and you're like, all right, well, that's going to crotch in the tree. You can't go that far or you got a sticker coming yeah. off. It's kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah, so if you know where you're going already with a climber, that works pretty good. Yeah. But yeah. I'll run two uh, hang-ons with, with fixed ladder sticks. Yeah. And it's spots that I know are pretty common every year. Right. Kind of like go-to, like my backup plan to my backup plan. You run around, but I know, hey, I can always go back down right. here and set one up. Sometimes they're not always in the best spots. I like to leave those out for observation stands. Yeah. We got one that we set up a couple years ago that we'd seen a few bucks. Every time I go out in that stand, I see a buck. And, um, Sounds like a good spot. It is a good spot. <laughs> I had that big 10-pointer on there Can opening day over? last year. He <laughs> <laughs> came to about 60 yards. This year I had a, like a maybe a four or five-pointer come in, but with the long bow, you're, you're not shooting too far. Yeah. We went back and set up on him with Kevin. He came in and set up behind me to film, and I was in front of him, and we had a little buck come in behind him. And I heard something coming in, but I didn't know what it was. I thought it was a squirrel, and Kevin's looking at me. He heard it. And I'm looking past him going, I guess it was nothing, but the buck must have been right behind his tree. Next time I heard it, I knew it was a deer, but <laughs> yeah. it was too late. So I'm yeah. looking, I got my recurve hanging on my side, and I look back, and the buck is between, because we're in separate trees, we're yeah. in the same tree. The buck had already passed his tree and realized something was up. Yeah. By the time I looked over, I was like, shit, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. yeah. So I had heard the same thing. <laughs> he, when he heard the footsteps, I had heard them, but they were directly behind me. So I didn't really want to turn because we were out in the an old cut and there were just single trees out and we had found two trees that have a little bit of cover on them and we just both both kind of stuck ourselves in what little cover we could have could yeah. find because um, they were just way out in the wide open and when I heard the footsteps behind me it was the same thing like I thought it might have been deer footsteps coming in but it was the opposite direction from where Adam thought the deer would be coming from. And I saw Adam turn to look, so, like, I'm not moving. I'm just sitting still. I'm, like, going to let Adam look by me, and he can kind of signal to me what he sees. And He should have, like, winked and went. I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't know it was a deer at this time. I didn't know it was a deer either. Yeah. So I wa I'm watching Adam look look by me, so I'm reading his face, and he just kind of looks and looks and looks, and he turns back around like nothing of it. And I'm like, well, it must be a porcupine or yeah. some, something else on the ground. And I keep hearing the footsteps getting closer. And I just kind of turn and lift up and peek over my left-hand shoulder. And there was, there was a branch that came off my left. And I just kind of peek over the top of it. And I could see the it was a three or four point. And he was at like 15 yards coming. Split right, you guys? He was coming right for my tree from behind me. Mm. And so I had to, I was sitting in my saddle this time too. And I was actually sitting with my hip up against the tree, my left hip up against the tree. And he walked on the opposite side of the trunk. So I'm on the right side of the trunk, and he almost brushed the left side of the trunk yeah. of the tree. He was right below yeah, we're me. We're like this. And he, I'm here. He's there. Yeah. Like, so I videotaped this deer with the camera pointing straight down when he comes out from the other That's side sweet. of the tree. So I actually, looking straight down at this deer with the video He could have spit on the deer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, no shit. So uh, this deer is right here, and this is when Adam turns around for the second time going, all right, something has to be there. When Adam turns around, he kind of looks up at me. I'm like, like this pointing straight yeah, down with yeah. my finger and he's like he's got binoculars in his hand doesn't have the bow in his hand and that deer probably got my ground scent because yeah. he was he was right below me so he just kind of as soon as he got right underneath my feet he just kind of 
<laughs> he jumped back, but I don't know. I kind of just made a couple of noises at him. He blew at us. I blew right back at him. Yeah. yeah. He looked back, and I'm sitting there going. Whoosh, whoosh. I'm like, oh yeah, well. And I blew <laughs> right back. That works. Yeah. That, yeah. That definitely works. It did. And if I'd had a compound bow, I probably could have got a shot at that deer yep. too. Yep. Yeah, because he just bounced back. Probably. 30 yards from Adam, 15 didn't yards that, from me. Didn't know what the hell yeah. was going on. No, nope. yeah. yeah, he just, he knew something wasn't quite right, so he yeah. jumped back and he kind of was looking around and like Adam said, it would have been a 30-yard yeah. shot probably. I, I'll take compound. a 30-yard shot this year. Yeah? Yep. I won't even think about it. Because I know I can hit it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. So. so Yeah, he just kind of slowly walked back the way he came afterwards, blowing a little bit, so. That's impressive because I feel like I, I'm ner like 40 yards in the woods for me with a compound bow. Like, uh, that's, well, I'm comfortable, I'm uh, that's what I'm comfortable with. Shooting a longbow at 30 yards, I, I can't imagine. Like, that's a lot of practice. That's my point of aim. Yeah. On there. I don't know if you how you shoot your bow. Yeah. But when I shoot three under, I, I do a gap and, a, and like a fixed crawl. I don't know if you know anything about that. Mm -hmm. But when I go three under and I'm right up tight to my arrow, um, that's like my long shot, if you will. And when I draw back and come to anchor and I get fixed, you know, the tip of my arrow is now like my aiming point. Mm -hmm. And at 30 yards, when I'm tight at three under and I put the tip of my arrow where I want to hit it, I hit it. Now, as I start going down, you got two options. You can either aim low or you can crawl down your string on your jaw. So now my fingers aren't touching my knock anymore. You know you're low on it. Right. So when I'm at 20 yards, I crawl my three fingers down to where the top of this first finger is about equal to the fletching of my arrow. So it's about maybe a half inch crawl. When I draw that back and fix everything and put it in, then I hit on at 20 yards. It's an interesting concept how this guy, once I started doing that and playing around with that, but you gotta play around with your knock height and get everything dialed in with the, and, and your arrow length comes into play because mm -hmm. the shorter your arrow, so, there's a little bit of playing around, but once you nail it down and you start doing it, and you hit it and you hit it and you hit it, you're like, I got this. I got this. Yeah. I can do this. So now I get on the other side of the log and the little bit of trees by the road, and I go, okay, at 35 yards, I bet you if I put it on the top of that deer target, I'll hit in the money. I do. It's a little bit of a loft. I'm still not sure how much power I got with a 45-pound bow, but yeah. I'll probably bump up to a 50-pound this year and maybe give myself a little more distance, but... It's been uh, how do you mess with the poundage on those? Is, is you don't strictly the bow. You get a different bow. bow. Yeah, yeah. You gotta yeah, get a different bow. So I was fortunate. I had a guy down Mass that follows me, who's getting old and arthritis caught up to him. He's been a big traditional hunter, and he gave me seven traditional bows. Wow. Two of them match what I already have. So I got a forty-five pound um, Kodiak magnum in 45 and one in 50 mm -hmm. in my longbow i got in 45 and 50 then i got a few other ones that i could play around with but i'll, I'll probably give them away to someone if they want to yeah want to hunt but so now i got a 50 pound bow that matches in, in a recurve and a longbow to what i'm already shooting at 45 right to jump up to 50 so but when you jump up and pounded you got to change your whole arrow you change setup. everything up yeah you know but Start it's fun <clears throat> yeah yeah good deal Neil, uh, what are you running for your setups? Uh, for stands and stuff? Yeah. All right. Well, I have probably just about friggin' everything. I have uh, two summits, a Viper and a Titan. I have a Lone Wolf uh, hand climber. I have uh, Lone Wolf hang-ons, both the Assault and the Alpha. I have um, the saddle setup. Um, so I have the Predator platform with a tethered 
uh, phantom saddle. Uh, I have, I don't even know how many pre-stung hand, pre-hung stands in the woods. I have a whole bunch of other, you know, hang-on stands. I think, I don't know, counting just at my house right now, probably eight or nine hang-on stands that I could just sprinkle out. They're just cheapos. Um, then from there, I don't know if I'm missing anything. Um, Do you get a Novix last year too? Uh, I didn't get a Novix stand. Uh, I have the Novix stick. So then for sticks, I have the full-size Hawk Heliums. I have the Novix, which are exi- so if you guys don't know what Novix is, it's basically the company that Lone Wolf is going to. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Novix, uh, I have their full-size sticks. I have, th- so I have four of those. I have the Lone Wolf full-size sticks, and then I have a set of Novix mini sticks. So just the two-step shorter sticks. Um, then I also use a lot when I'm backpacking into places. I have the Cranford tree steps, which are essentially like a, they're a fold-up, version of like a screw-in tree step but they just fold up and there's a strap that goes around the tree and you can just cinch that strap up so you're not necessarily impaling the tree you know? not at all yeah so they're complete you know public ground like you know legal you're not screwing into mm-hmm. a tree or damaging a tree so i use those quite often and even sometimes if i'm going in with if i only want to bring in you know like three sticks or if i want to use the mini sticks sometimes i'll stick like you know two three four of those in, in a backpack um, those also come in handy if you want to just get a camera off the ground a little bit and have have it up higher. You can just quickly strap one of those around a tree, step up on it, and you know get your camera raised up as well. Um, so, really, I mean, I have all this gear because I never know what the situation is going to be. Um, I mean, it's like sometimes when I'm gun hunting, I, I tend if I'm going to do like a long all day gun sit, I'll use one of the summit stands. I don't often do that because now I'm during gun season. I'm trying to track quite a bit and just you know find snow and just you know hop on a buck track and go. Right. Um, but then from there, like, you know, what Adam was saying, it's like with the, the hand climber, that lone wolf hand climber, you can't friggin' beat it. It's like, to, <laughs> it's to so get, light. Well, it's, that's for, what Lance has. Is, well, for me, it's like not, it's not light compared to some of the other stuff that I have, but it's like, I have the smaller size, so it's more compact. It is fairly light, especially for used to, you know, a summit. And that's what I, th- you know, thought when I first switched to it. But for me, it's just the fact that like, you don't have to like worry about like, you know, hanging stuff up. If you're going into a spot where you know, there's a tree you're planning on sitting or if it's not even a tree, it's like I want as much to do it in pines because there's always those couple of dead branches that for, are freaking in your way that you got to snap off and shit. But if I'm going to go into a spot where I know there's some red oak trees that are mature, you can go way the hell up there before you hit any branches. I'll go in with that hand climber just because it's easy to get in. It's quiet. It's effortless up and down. So I use that, I mean, a decent amount in a spot that I was Hot going. tip. <clears throat> Don't forget your like rope to bring up your bow if you're gonna do that the hand climber because I've done that <laughs> and having your bow and hand climbing with your elbows it sucks. <laughs> uh, well, then on that, I mean, a, a lot of things that I'll do too is so yeah, you don't ever want to forget any gear, but especially you know a pull up rope. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of times with a backpack, um, excuse me, I'm running uh, like the Badlands backpacks. I have a Super Day pack. Then I forget the name of the other Badlands pack that I have, but a lot of times I'll put the bow like on my backpack when I'm walking in the woods because I'm not planning on shooting a deer, you know, walking walking into the woods, yeah, um, you know, or out in the morning. So I'll actually oftentimes strap the bow to the backpack. So in that instance, if I ever did forget, you know, it's like my pull pull cord. I can just climb the tree with the, the bow in my backpack and then take it off. Right. So it's like there's always little kind of backups too that you can have. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> But I mean, yeah, so it's, then it's really depending on the situation. And so, I mean, saddle hunting, and I think just in general, 
any type of mobile hunting that you can do is really going to enhance just the amount of deer that you're going to see and the amount of options that you have because you want to go hunt where there's you know fresh signs like you want to try out you know different areas so whether it's using you know it's like a hand climber you know versus a summit because that's more mobile whether it's using hang-on stands and getting proficient with sticks whether it's saddle hunting you just you have more options um and then i would really think it does take practice i mean like what adam was talking about with his longbow right it takes a freaking lot of practice it's like if you want to get good and have a system down where you feel confident and it, the the adventure isn't just setting up your stand and taking it down for the day that just becomes a small part of the process when you get proficient and good at it um so with the saddle hunting um and i think just in general to kind of you know give a plug um for for what uh, event that kevin organized um i don't know, kevin if you want to mention that real quick yeah i mean we've got an event that we kind of that tethered the 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 brand tethered that makes all these saddles or a lot of the saddles um and they promote saddle hunting in general correct they promote saddle hunting in general they just want to promote the the sport and the style of the hunting um they've started these teach and train events around the country um just to teach people saddle hunting so i kind of volunteered to host one here in new hampshire so we're going to be hosting a tethered teach and train event at Moore Sporting Goods on April 17th. And basically what they're going to be doing is they're going to be shipping up a, a crate or a container to me um, with all of pretty much some of all their, their items, whether it's saddles, platforms, sticks, um, accessory hangers, hooks, um, you name it. It's, they're they're going to be pretty much a full lineup of tethered gear that they're, they're providing. Um, and, there might even be a couple people from the company flying up for it. I was going to ask that. Is anybody going to be there for to from Tether? Well, so a lot of that is also going to depend on anyone who's listening. If you think you're going to be interested in just having a lot of fun, right, just hanging out with guys who love to hunt, you want to try saddles, you just want to try different sticks, like whether it's all the sticks, you know, that I just mentioned or other stuff. It's going to be a time to play with gear, meet people, have a lot of fun, go to more sporting goods. And so the more people that sign up um, on both, you know, Kevin and I's, you know, Facebook pages, um, you can go to Tethered. They have an Eventbrite sign up. So they're trying to get a head count. You're essentially getting a ticket or purchasing a ticket, but it's free. So they want to get a head count. They'll ship up more gear the more people that are coming. It's a free lunch for everybody. And yeah, they could send people up. If we have hundreds of people that sign up that want to be there that day and it's a big enough event. Yeah. I mean, it's they'll, more... they'll invest on people flying up to come up here. Um, yeah. <laughs> we haven't, we haven't ironed out all those details as far as who from Tether will be coming up or if anybody from Tether will be coming up. Not that up. that matters. Just yeah, to, correct. Yeah. Um, but no, basically Neil and I are going to have all of our gear there to show off like what we not show off, but just to use like examples of how we approach our systems, mm-hmm. what we carry, what our options are, what options are from other brands. Um, and Tethered even promotes that. We want other saddle hunters in the air, other guys that are saddle hunting already. Bring bring your gear over. If you got saddles from other brands and manufacturers, bring those. That way other people can can see what the other options are that are out there. You know, you got different style sticks, different manufacturer sticks and stuff like that, different platforms. We want to we want to get a good group of mobile style deer hunters together just to kind of compare notes and compare styles, um, just to have a good day of hanging out, talking deer hunting um, and just give an opportunity for people to learn about saddle hunting at the same time. Right. Um, so it's just a, it's a really cool event that Tethered started doing last year um, that they're willing to to invest in this. Just a, there's nothing guaranteed to them. Um, they will, there will be some items there for sale that you can buy on site. Um, there'll be, they'll do steamy check. Yeah. There'll be, there'll be steamy check, baby. (laughs) There's typically discounts on prices and stuff. Um, there's giveaways, um, stuff like that. Probably just 
might be cheap swag gear. It might be some of their top of the line products. I don't know those details. Yeah. Um, maybe when we get closer to the event, I might know a little bit more, but they're planning a number of these at the moment. So, you know, I don't It'll have... be fun, though. Yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. Well, I yeah. signed up for it. We're all going. I signed you up. I signed myself up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Well, we're like, the main part we got an it, extra guy. Yeah, main, <laughs> main thing is we just, we just want to get people together and talk hunting, you know, and more sporting goods is a great store that um it's local to me and adam mm -hmm. um, we go down there we know jim and randy and tom and everybody that runs runs the stores down there and they're they're great super nice people and always willing to help you out so we want to kind of give them an opportunity to get get some some show and some face yeah, out of this as, as well yeah. so um and they've got the property to do it too we got we got some trees and stuff that we can climb and check out and hang from and should be a good day it's gonna be a great day absolutely <laughs> always a good day at moses oh yeah looking forward yeah. to it and fingers crossed on the weather, you know, but I mean, who cares, right? I mean, you know, we brave the elements anyways. Absolutely. I'm ready. I'm, I'm excited. I, I, I talked to Nick, Nick over there on the couch. He was, uh, he's like, I'm going to buy a saddle. I said, no, nah, I'm going to buy a saddle. No, nah, I'm going to buy a saddle. Everybody's going to buy a saddle. We never bought a saddle. <laughs> I couldn't, no, buy, no, I couldn't buy the trigger. I mean, like, I, like I had thought the same thing, yeah, and then all of a sudden, it's like, I think I have the first time, you know, I tried. I don't think it was Dave Cyril's. Like, you know, he he went and, you know, it's like said, hey, you can try out my saddle. It's like Kevin came over with his afterwards. And so once you get in, when you figure out if it's for you or if it's not for you, it's yeah. like, um, like I, you know, even, even Champa, right? It's like he originally said, it's like, fuck, no, like, I'm not doing, I'm not going to get one of these. I can't do this, but he's buying one this year. It's like, yeah. or he just bought one. Yep. And so... I mean, you go through, you know, wanting to use different gear for different reasons. And so the more that you can go ahead, you know, and try this stuff and play around with it, yeah. you're going to figure out what works for, you know, whatever situation you need. Because there's so many options that are out there. But I, I want to, I'm going to get a saddle, I think, just to, I have no problem with heights. Yeah. And I've used to climb telephone poles for a living so but it's, i don't think it's, that's an it's issue. tough because <laughs> <You're all set. laughs> yeah these aren't these aren't box store items you can't just go down to cabela's no, exactly or bass yes. pro or dicks or walmart go check and, them and out check them out correct right. you yeah. can't you can't get your hands on these things yeah. in person especially here in new england yeah um maybe somewhere in the midwestern states you might be able to team up and do some more stuff which is bullshit people, because but. they have less woods they have like <laughs> more fields and less woods yeah, right. <laughs> we have all the woods yeah right. or all the trees so, no this is just a cool event i mean we're hoping to get just a bunch of people down there from yeah. from all over. I mean, Morris's is kind of centrally located. You know, you can get there from Vermont. It's maybe a decent ride from Maine, but yeah. you know, if it's every once in a while, you know, it's just a day of deer hunting, make yeah. an event of it with some of your buddies. You know, yeah. If anyone's yeah. thinking about getting into saddle hunting, this is probably the best opportunity to come that they're going to have to come check them out, try them out, if really if run it's, them, if it's and for find you out or right not. and get right. a lot of information about them at yeah. the same time. So. I'm even hoping to possibly convince some people that have some of the new Lone Wolf custom gear mm -hmm. to get some of their hang-on stands down there. Um, just as a comparison, the, the Lone Wolf custom gear is a branch off of the regular Lone Wolf, but they're making hang-on stands that are four or five pounds, apparently. I know, yeah, I know some people that are using those with saddles. Yep. Yeah. So does, we just want to get a, a general sense of all this different gear that's out there that you can't buy in box stores. You can't get your hands on it. I want, I want to see it all. I want to try it all. Right. Well, yeah. this even, is my, even being the host. My question is like, so I don't, you might know, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I'm sure everybody does, but like lone wolf and lone wolf, lone wolf custom gear. There's something like they switch brands. There's no, something. So it's, it's basically it's not the, the same company so anymore. No, the the DeQuistos, Uh So uh, essentially, 
um, you have Andre, it's like DeQuisto. He ended up starting initially, it's like the, the designs for Lone Wolf. It's like, so he built essentially like, you know, the Lone Wolf, it's like stand. Um, and then, so he ended up leaving the company and he retained the rights to the Lone Wolf name. That was the one thing when he left the company. Um, so now Lone Wolf is owned by someone else. And so he said, well, I like that name so much. I want to retain that name. So then he started Lone Wolf Custom Gear as a way to still now put out new gear because after whatever, you know, it's like, I'm trying to think like in the legal terms, it's like whatever, you know, it's like. Same non-compete no, yeah, after the right. non-competes yeah, that yeah. Was, yeah that's what i was searching for after those have run out then at that point in time he has the ability to now develop and make his own gear and start his own company and so once that time at last he started lone wolf custom gear because he wanted to come out with new stuff especially with his son cody and so they started lone wolf custom gear and that could be part of why it's like you know lone wolf is now also switching at novix there's obviously a bunch of different rumors that you hear you know online one yeah, of the things yeah. that i'd heard is is that now with all the legal battles that they had had that uh that lone wolf can't come out with new products under lone wolf's name because technically the, the dequistos have that lone wolf name they can still operate and sell current lone wolf gear but under the novix name which is why they're trying to rebrand that's why they can now offer the same products that they did under Lone Wolf, but now they can start coming out with new products. So they're making that transition to the Novix name, if that kind of makes sense. That's, no, that's confusing as shit. But. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll go with it. Yeah. yeah. Sounds but, great, though. But yeah, I mean, there's no, a lot of you know, no, awesome yeah. stuff that's out there and, you know, and different things to try. And so, Absolutely. yeah, everything just continues to grow and get you know, more lightweight and different features. I mean, sticks, it's like there's a ton of different sticks that are now out there. Um, so it's just awesome to see... I know it's like over the last like I don't know th two three four years it's like a total trans like when you used to have a, a a Viper climber like you were the shit you were the guy you were the mobile guy and yeah. now you're not the mobile guy anymore yeah you're that's just the I guy feel. carrying a huge lunk of aluminum on your back yeah and then it's like <laughs> cling 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 they're never gonna find me in the woods <laughs> bouncing yep. around um anything else you guys want to touch on. Um, take off we could touch on stuff right wow. let's, go. Let's, go. Let's, go. <laughs> let's go let's go well yeah i mean i was gonna say so uh so when we talked about you know like the saddle hunting so it's one that you can also pair it like as i started to mention with hang-ons like so the second buck that i shot on, on november 7th um that was using a saddle so that's the first buck that i've shot uh from a saddle yeah but it was also with a hang-on um so in that particular spot i had put a hang on up. So I just had a platform that was bigger, but I also wanted to have a saddle that I could, you know, sit up in, you know, kind of be more comfortable and face behind the tree and also be able to shoot more stable. Um, what it like comf comfortable level, just sitting in a hang on with the platform. You can stand up if you get like sick of sitting. Yep. Like how important is that saddle? Like, is it that much more comfortable where you can sit all day? I've heard people like, Oh, you got to go to the saddle cause you can sit all day. No problem you know you can sit in a stand like a hang-on stand i generally always stand up just because that's and, and i'm the opposite i'm always sitting down it's yeah. like yeah I mean, even when i shoot bucks i'm sitting down and so in this particular spot it's like the reason that i kind of did it is that i had both options i could using the ropeman one i can go ahead and extend the amount of lead that i have like from my saddle from my safety strap to the tree I can then go ahead and extend that so I could sit down, just use the hang on as just a regular you know, seat, mm -hmm. or I could shorten it up. Now I'm facing towards the tree, but I can sit down into it and kind of use it like a saddle being supported at my hips, taking some of that weight off standing up. Um, but also now if I'm gonna be shooting behind the tree off to, you know, it's like my left hand side because I'm right handed, 
I'm now more stable and more steady versus just standing up. I can lean out away from the tree. I can swing around to one side and having that bigger platform of a hang on that also really helped. Um, so that's, I mean, exactly how it played out on that, on that second buck that I got on November 7th. All right. Everybody's back from their pee break. Um, Nick had to leave. So Brandon LaVirtue is stepping in, in Nick's, uh, Nick English spot. Brandon say, Hey, 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 um, I think for now we're going to go on to, um, some deer tactics, right? Um, so if we start in the spot we are right now, it's March, what? 13th, 14th, 13th. 13th, I think. 13th. Right. Adam, you went in the woods today. Yeah. This morning. This morning. What happened? What did you do this morning? I went for doing some shed hunting. Yeah. You know, I got a few different areas uh, that I like to check out. This is one I hadn't been into yet this year. Uh, South facing ridges, you know, everything you look, it's the areas where I found my largest two sets of sheds by far. I mean, it just crazy antlers. It's really good set. Um, didn't find any yeah but find, you know looking for old buck sign last season's jobs there's still enough snow out there that i couldn't really see scrapes and stuff like that but i bring the dog with me you know she she's a running around she's a plus but she finds a lot of stuff that I, i'd miss mm-hmm. um but yeah just going out there just looking to see you know it's been a hard year i think on the deer too so i don't know i always like going out and see what type of effects the coyotes have had on the deer do you guys get hammered with snow we got not that we got hammered with snow, but the, the way the weather's been with everything rain coming in and then everything freezing up. That I mean, eight shit. weeks ago, I slipped in my driveway, screwed up my shoulder and elbow, and it's still not right. Yeah, it's all um, <clears throat> So you know the deer have been having trouble, and yeah. there hasn't been a time I've gone out in the woods poking around yet. I haven't found the signs of a deer being taken down by a coyote. Yeah. And out back, years ago, it used to be more. We used to have, like, yeah, I could run into 30 deer out there. Like they were yarding up or something. Like you hear that out here. Right. So when we get heavy snow in years past, so I've found five, six, seven deer lying around from, you know, coyotes. But we just went for a walk. I get up in the morning. I'm up at 5 o'clock every morning no matter what. So I threw my <laughs> new backpack on and grabbed the dog and went for a hike and bumped up a few deer, saw a couple of moose, bumped the coyote up and made my rounds and came back home. Nice. <clears throat> Are you, you're just going out there for a walk? Are you you're yeah, scouting? Yeah, going out for a walk. I don't hunt as much on that piece anymore. I'm yep. kind of focusing on a, a different area. Getting to know Neil and these guys hunting the way they go after big bucks. I've never been that way. Yeah. I just like to go out, shoot deer. Yeah. We eat deer. <laughs> I like to put them in the freezer, hang them up. I don't care if it's a doe, but everyone likes to see a big buck. Yeah. But these guys are on to something. So the more you hear Neil talk... <laughs> Which I think is interesting for a lot of people because you got to kind of wonder how a guy like this is able to do what he does. Yeah, and I'm I'm pretty amazed. I tip my hat to him all the time. Um, so you start listening to him and start thinking, well, I'm going to see if I can't put some of this stuff together and, and you know, it's like puzzle pieces, right? So I, I, the the bucks I'm kind of hunting over in in Mont Vernon is another spot. So this is just out behind the house. Yeah, although we used to shoot shoot a lot of deer out there, and there's some big deer out there, but it's good and like you know, backup plan to a backup plan. You can't just stick to the same piece of woods you got to find a bunch of piece of woods run through them because what might be going on one year it might not be going on the next year things change yeah you know and even on that piece out there there's been a few lots that have sold yeah so you get out there and you kind of go oh shit they cut this thing right up there's a house lot this guy bought 15 acres or the old lindstrom farm that that was about 35 acres and they cleared 15 17 acres of it yeah so everything i used to know about deer running through there now have all changed 
And um, so it's just good to get out there and, and look around and see what's going on out in the woods. You nice. got to spend a lot of time in the woods. Yeah. yeah. If you don't, you know, people wonder, you know, I might not shoot deer the quality or the size that Neil does, but since the 90s, I've been putting deer down every year, a couple of deer a year. So I find a way to shoot them. But I, it, I boil it down to people say, oh, you know, I used to think, oh, you get lucky, you shot another deer. Well, 30 years later, you kind of say, well, I'm still shooting deer. Yeah, so. it's not so much But I luck. say you got to get out in the woods. You got to yeah. look around. You got to see what the sign is. Learn the terrain. See how the deer use a piece of woods. And then you can go into any another piece of woods that you never step foot in. Find that deer sign. I love finding deer shit. Nothing makes me more happy than seeing the deer shit because <laughs> deer will shit 9 to 13 times a day. Yeah. So if you're looking for tracks, tracks are everywhere. But fresh shit, you can, you can kind of date a little bit easier than the rest. So when I get out there and see that, I'll get excited. And, but you got to get out in the woods and got to get out often. So yeah, Kev, what are you doing for your like uh, not postseason or what do you call it? Not what's the opposite of post pre preseason? Pre, yeah, if it's not <laughs> if it's not in season, it's yeah. post or pre, yeah. right? Off season, right? Already, yeah. yeah. Not post, not pre, off season. Uh, no, no yeah. I've been I've been gathering cameras here the last few weeks. I was able to kind of go out and gather some in january and then we got the snow and the real cold in february um in the last couple of weeks i've kind of cleaned up and gotten a bunch more i've only got a couple more out that i haven't checked in four or five months so i've been kind of grabbing cameras but i've been doing a lot of um just searching um that buck dylan that i had mentioned earlier um that's kind of my main focus this year you know they they say don't put all your eggs in one basket but Sure no. did, huh? I've I've <laughs> shot. It's hard not to when you find a big one. <laughs> I mean, I shot my biggest deer ever in the same piece of woods. You know, searching after yeah. this deer. So I mean, I measured it on Onyx um, a couple of days ago, and I'm looking at close to three thousand acres that I'm searching for this deer in. Um, I've got pictures of him um, over two and a half miles away from each other. So there's plenty of land to search for this deer. So I'm just trying. I'm out. Shed hunting, but I'm also just looking for sign, um, looking for last year's sign. With the snow melting this week, the scrapes are going to be a little more visible now. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to really try and spend a lot more time out there now that snow is starting to disappear. Um, before, it was basically just looking, shed hunting, looking for big tracks, looking for big signpost rubs, stuff like stuff like that that you could see. Um, but now that this, the weather's getting a little bit better, um, next couple of weeks I'm going to really try and put a lot of miles in, try and find – more scrapes you know learning a lot from neil and scrape hunting and trying to learn every inch inch and piece of woods that i can about this deer i've never found sheds before i found one or two i think in my life just kind of stumbling upon it so i'm not overly focused on finding sheds but more the sign yeah i'm i'm really scouting for next year than i am mm. shed hunting um so that's what my my goals are here in the next couple of weeks and then come april 1st i'm almost 100%, 110% in the turkeys. Yeah. Um, so I'll be doing tons Hear of... Hear that, Neil? I, I, I will not be. No. <laughs> <laughs> so from, from, from April 1st through May 31st, that's where my mind is at yeah. constantly. So the next two weeks, I guess we're halfway through March already. Crap. Yeah. Um, it's coming up. Yep. It's coming. So going to try and get as much deer work in as I can now because by the time turkey season ends, it'll be green up and it'll be... A disaster trying to get through yep. some of these areas. Velvet will be coming. Yeah, yeah, and then we'll be back out getting cameras out again. Um, I spent this morning just emptying batteries out of cameras. That way, I start everything fresh, new with fresh batteries. So, emptying them all out, making sure everything's organized, keeping to see what's 
what kind of straps I need to be replaced and stuff like that. So just kind of organizing maintenance, organizing gear, um, updating some camera equipment here the last couple of weeks, um, just as far as video goes. Um, but yeah, just scouting for next year and, you know, trying to figure out as much as we can, learn as much as we can. That's, right. that's the key. Always learning. Brendan, you've been out, uh, shed hunting handful of times yeah. but you just sent me a picture like last week with a, a buck still had antlers on mm-hmm. yeah on, on a spy yeah a nice buck one of your target bucks yep uh, i saw him last year at 30 yards and he busted me um but yeah he was hanging out with a bunch of does too and i've probably put i don't know 30 miles on in the last couple months looking for sheds and i haven't even found one that's that's <laughs> what i've got so far is about Nothing. 30 miles yeah yeah but that, just looking for that sign, like Kevin said, I mean. I'm just the, surprised that the thing still has the antlers on his head. Yeah. Well, yeah, I talked to somebody the other day. It's like I was trying to gain access uh, to a place that I might be able to hunt this coming fall. And so I, you know, pulled up to this driveway and there's a guy, he's, you know, luckily the old guy sitting out on his deck. And I'm like, all right, cool. It's like, I thought this is a spot that I may be able to gain permission. But, you know, just the old timer sitting on his deck that, that obviously, you know, seemed like it was going to be even more likely and so i started talking to him and he's like oh yeah i got deer all fall that you're out in my yard and he's like there was don't actually- say <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah he's <laughs> like if you want to shoot deer you can just sit right on my deck with me right here and we can be sitting yeah. on the deck and you can just you know you know take one out with your bow he's like all right well that's hopeful but uh but to the you know the buck still holding you know things that he had said yeah there was mm-hmm. that rock wall over there he said just a couple of days ago there was a buck that hopped over that rock wall and he was still holding those antlers i was like no shit it's almost like they're gonna be pop. They're gonna like get pushed off. A kid, yeah, like a kid with a loop, loop, uh, oh, still yeah, has right. a tooth in or whatever. Yeah. You know, they're gonna fall off. Um, hey, that's good for the deer, though. It means they're healthy. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, some you know, some are still holding, but then I found that one. I don't know when that was in January, but I found that one freshie that had just dropped, not not too far into January, and then uh, then I'd bumped in uh, to. There was another buck that I went in just kind of, you know, pulling some cameras out of a piece of woods and you know, I looked down the ground. And I'm like, oh, there's, you know, fresh blood. I'm like, well, this is, you know, a deer just dropped his antlers and I'm mm-hmm. backtracking his tracks, coming to other, you know, boot tracks. And then all of a sudden I see, you know, look up and see, you know, a guy standing there. Well, he's kind of crouched down. I'm like, wait a minute. I think I know that guy. Zach? Is he bleeding? I'm like, is that him? And of course, he has a guilty look on his face. Looks like I just caught him jerking off or something. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, what he's doing is he just found the, the, the sheds. Yeah, he, he just found the second to match the set. Oh, and he's awesome. trying to hide him because he looks up and sees another guy that's clearly in there. And he's like, Neil, is that you? And uh, he's like, oh, he's like, I'm glad it's you. He's like, holy shit. He goes, I didn't want somebody to see these. No, so. this is definitely a posted piece. <laughs> I shouldn't be in here. <laughs> No, it was just, yeah, it's, you know, yeah. that match set, you know, yeah, it's like, he's like, oh shit, I don't want somebody else to know about this book. So <laughs> that, that was pretty cool. But, you know, that was back, you know, in, in January. So some are falling off early and, you know, obviously most of them usually drop end of February, you know, going yeah, into March. I'm always but. petrified of like, you you shoot a buck like late, late season. What's, what's that? December 5th is the firearm cut off. Fourth or whatever. Around there, yeah. It changes but every you year, see, but it's you, right you see there. people out there like, oh, yeah, I went to go drag my buck out and rip the antlers right off of it. Like, oh! Or you can do what I did in 2019, break break half the rack off. Broke the skull plate. Yeah, that wasn't fun. What? Did you drop it off something? No, no, no. So that was a late-season buck. Uh, so I shot that one down in Central Mass. Uh, so it was right at the end. I get, Well, it was probably middle of December. So I shot that one uh, with a shotgun. And so dragged it out by its antlers, no problem. Was tugging on that thing, pulling them out of the woods, and got it home. And uh, so when I hung it up on on the game pole at home, 
I had hung it up by its rack so I wanted to get better pictures of it. And I said, well, I'll flip it over the other way once, you know, once all the blood's drained out of it. So it's hanging up by its rack. And I said, oh, I left the heart in it still. I need to take that out, you know, before before I go to bed for the evening. <laughs> so I reach up in it. And I'm trying to cut the heart out. And I'm like, oh, let me just pull this thing out. So I grab a hold of the heart and I'm just yanking on it to pull it down. All of a sudden where the strap was in between its G2 and G3, I just heard a crack. The whole deer drops about a foot down. I wrap my arms around it as it's dropping down, thinking that the branch broke up above me. And so I'm wrapped up this deer and it drops and I look up and one of the antlers just folded right in. And I'm just like, fuck. I'm like, you idiot. Yeah, I did it. (laughs) So then, of course, yeah, it literally snapped like the skull plate. So at the base of its antler, there was like a triangle chunk where it... Wow. The pressure of me pulling snapped. on it snapped the skull no plate. Huh. So in the pictures of that buck, it's like the Massachusetts buck that I shot in 2019. It's like, yeah, I'm holding that antler on and all the He's, he's on. holding it in place. Your <laughs> <laughs> inside yeah. spread went down a little bit. Well, I mean, from that point, you know, now that it's mounted on the wall, it's like, you know, it, it looks looks just the same. Yeah. Yeah, good enough. Yeah. It was a good taxidermist. Yeah. 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 Dave who Berger, wants, Who wants to measure this? Pulling it out. Yeah. That's 27. I, I told him, to, you know, put a few extra inches in there. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Um, Doing like you know, uh, spring scouting, getting out in the woods and seeing where deer are moving, and where, I mean, sign on trees is is fine and, and scrapes. How important is like, uh, how can I put this? Uh, sh- like, so if you're going out shed hunting and you're fighting sheds, do you f- feel like that is a core area for deer? Any any anybody can answer this. Um, I feel like up here. I see like a, a condensed area of deer sign in when you find sheds, they're probably all in the same area because it's a, like a wintering area. When I go to put cameras out in the summer and spring, it is not the same. Every, everything changes. Yeah. Right. Yep. And it, it's, it's whether it's food source, whether it's weather or if it's rut driven, um, when you're doing your spring scouting per se, um, there's rubs on the trees. That's obviously not moving. But um, the deer trails in the snow, you can see how important is that, like, late season or early spring season scouting for uh, a core area of a deer? So I, I guess with the sheds, um, I mean, just example-based is that I have the spot that we talked about earlier. You know, it's like where I ended up, you know, shooting that buck September 19th this last season, that was a spot that I found three sheds last year. And so then I found the scrape there, I put a camera and that's where I killed that buck. But I've also not only finding three sheds there last year, I found three sheds there already this year. Um, when I went back to, to search for sheds, I found that fresh one and then two that were left over from the previous year. One of which was actually, I mean, within sight of where we set up on that buck and killed him. Um, it was, it was laying there. It's like when we killed them, that, that shed was already on the ground. We just didn't see it or didn't find it. And it wasn't too far away, but some of those deer having gotten pictures of them in other places, they're several miles away, um, during the season. So they're not staying in that piece of woods. They're just a lot of the deer. That's what I've kind of found. The bucks will go to one area and, and winter there for whatever the reasons are. Some leave and go back to their home range and others stay there. So it's just, it just kind of varies. Um, I mean, so yeah, it, it doesn't hurt to, you know, go in, it kind of depends on where also too, if you're talking, if you're getting, you know, more North and you're getting into, you know, places where deer migrate and yard up, obviously that's gonna be one thing. If you're talking more Southern New Hampshire going into Massachusetts, it's like they, you know, they may not travel very far. That could be, you know, potentially in their core area. Um, I mean, cause there was uh, a shed that I found back in, it was either 2017 or it was probably 2018, 
of uh, the buck that I killed in 2019, a buck that I called the Big Six. Uh, so that buck that I killed on October 4th, the previous year, I had found I had found his shed. The um, same general area. Yeah, it was. I mean, maybe a mile away. Um, and so it was a spot that he used during the season. I had tons of pictures of him there. He just would kind of range, um, you know, about, I'd say about anywhere from mile and a half to two miles is kind of what, what he would range. Um, I mean, I'd have pictures on him one day, two miles, you know, to the West and the next, you know, you know, the next day, a couple miles to the East. So he would, he would hop around, but I mean, this time of year though, it's like when you're going out. I mean, it's good to, you know, have, I guess, like an objective of you're trying to get in the woods, you're trying to find sheds, like that's what you're after. So you want to get in the woods. And if you're doing that, though, you're not going to be as effectively scouting. So I think that's some of the difference that now I've started to actually find sheds in the last couple of years. Um, I've gotten, you know, a lot of advice from guys that are are good at it. One of my buddies, you know, Pat Burns, he's a master at finding sheds. Like he just found an awesome match set today, actually. Um, So for him, he's just an absolute pro at, at, at at finding him. He's taught me a lot. So now that I have the confidence when I go in the woods, since I've found sheds, like I'm actually looking for sheds. Like I'm not just, Hey, I'm stumbling through the woods, enjoying this, you know, nice day. I'm looking for the shape of an antler like that, you know, that hook of the beam sticking up. Um, and so if I'm, if I'm searching for sheds, I'm not effectively scouting, but other times I'll just like kind of pull that vision back from looking for an antler to um, now I'm scanning the woods, looking for scrapes. I guess that was my question is like, how you gotta, is it, there's a difference between shed hunting and you're like, your spring scouting and where does that like collide i guess that was my question is like is does it have anything to do with what you're gonna do during deer season where you're searching i know you're in the woods and you're hunting sheds is there anything i just feel like where i hunt or where i live in my backyard is like you can go and see where deer are now and they will not be there in October or November, it's just a different scenario. So, I, I'm I'm always like conflicted of like when people, oh, this is a core area because, and I just had this conversation off the air with uh, Rob Richardson actually last weekend. I was like, I don't know if it's is where you live or how important is the shed hunting, and this is where like a core area of a deer because I feel like every time I go put cameras, there's nothing there's no deer sign there like in the winter time they're digging up acorns you can see where they're like you know hanging out but it seems to always it's not the same when when deer season comes you know i I got an example for you so two weeks ago i scouted an area it's a south facing and west facing slope um and it's a some there's an old cut in there so it's some heavy cover but there's a ton of oaks in there and i when i hunted the past season you could hear the acorns just raining in there yeah so i had kind of gone into it thinking that this was gonna be a good winter area um for the deer um but i also jumped some big some big body deer that i get eyes on during the season out of certain pieces of this yeah um so i wanted to go back in there and see are these like bedding areas or these buck bedding areas what's what's it looking like so i i kind of zigzagged this whole side hill and the it's torn up in deer sign um there's beds everywhere just feeding sign everywhere and i was pretty hopeful i was finding a shed that day um i had some pretty high confidence just from the deer sign and it was what i have read and listened to podcasts and yeah. sh- everything everything seems like it's out. right there yeah correctly so i didn't find anything that day i pulled a bunch of cameras and yeah there's there's plenty of deer in that area and just i didn't find the sheds that day but um this this past friday two days ago i scouted a piece two miles to the north um but it's all kind of 
the same woods, mm. really. Um, and it's an area where I have pictures of deer crossing a swamp going into this smaller piece um, all during gun season last year. When the pressure picked up on one side, it seemed like it was pushing the deer to this side. And I'm like, all right, I want to go and see what's 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 in this area so for this coming deer season. It's more It was more preseason prep prep work. But when I went into this thing, I found one set of deer tracks, and I did five miles in there. Um, but so it's totally different. Can be totally, completely yeah. different. Um, so, like, one area, tons of deer assigned, but I know that gets heavily pressured come season. And then this other area, two miles to the north, I know during season, just from cameras this past year, deer were going in and out of here a lot. But right now, there's absolutely zero deer sign in there. Yeah. Um, so it's just something you, you do have to kind of keep in mind. It's almost like you have to be focused on one or the other kind of what your goals are yeah um and i kind of went into this scouting session on friday i i wasn't looking for sheds that wasn't why i was there if i found one great great yeah but i i wasn't expecting it just because i had a feeling just based on terrain features that the deer probably weren't going to be in here right now yeah um but it's a spot that i might be focused on more come november um just because you have to factor in hunting pressure at the same time yeah, and I think that, you know, kind of comes down to the differentiating between the two, right, is about setting goals. So it's, you know, whether whether you're trying to go in with the goal of finding some sheds, right, which is awesome if you do, it's like, or the goal of I'm going to learn this piece of woods and really scout the shit out of it and just go in there and try to break it down because there's kind of two different approaches that you're going to have to it. If you're scouting the shit out of a piece of woods, there's a chance you could find sheds. While you're, you know, while you're shed hunting, there's a chance that you can find unbelievable sign it's like that's the best scouting that you've ever done and it's going to be you know, that piece of the puzzle that you've been searching for but it's really you know whatever you're going to attack for that day it's like just setting a goal of how you want to go about it and what you're trying to get out of it yeah like you said it's a lot of it's location based yeah i was gonna say absolutely like, uh, you've, you've hunted it seems like you've hunted the same or not the same but uh a good amount of area over the uh, a long period of time you know where it's hot, where it's not hot, and you you see deer here every year. Do you go in there in the winter and never poke around just to see what's going on? Is all there, the time? Yeah. <laughs> I'm into what's woods. your opinion on that, then? Like, is there deer activity in there, or is it slowed down? Or I, it... When I go out and see winter activity, I, I, I honestly don't think of anything to do with my fall hunting. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I go in there, I'll, I'll follow tracks sometimes. I'll go into the woods, and I'll pick up some good deer tracks and run them and see when I was out a few days ago in that piece, there's a new piece. I keep going a little bit deeper, learning a little bit more. Now I'm across the road, and I said, I'm going to power scout the shit out of this piece. Let's go. Grab my dog, and we hit it. And I walked back and forth, and i kick over about maybe 100 yards, and I'd walk that entire piece all the way to the back road and skip it over until we did the whole thing. But I just wanted to see what was in there. Yeah. But I don't look at... Because I get in there, and they're you know, talking on the way up. There was a spot I got up on these knobs that there were dozens and dozens of beds. There ain't going to be dozens and dozens of beds and no deer are going to be there in the fall. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. work that way. Some yeah. places maybe, but I don't look at it that way. I mean, I love just getting out in the woods and learning the woods. I like learning the lay of the land and learning how the deer use the land. Yeah. When fall time comes around, I've had my best luck getting out and putting up observation stands or getting out there. I'm a pussyfooter in the woods. If I'm going into power scout, I'll, I'll put them on. Kevin talks about Neil, this long-legged guy, can cover some ground. Yeah, They would lose me in the first 10 minutes and wouldn't see me for the rest of the day because <laughs> yeah. I'm going to take a few steps and look. Um, I can shed, hunt, and scout and everything at the same time because I think my speed is so slow. Some people might have better luck because they cover more ground, and when I want to cover ground, I'll cover ground. But... um. 
I, I'm usually a, a pussyfooter in the woods and try to take it all in when I'm out there. But as mm. far as what I find in the winter, turning it over into my fall hunting, nothing. I don't put them together. Yeah. No. And a lot of times in the winter, deer seem to yard up a lot more. They get they get congregated. I still run cameras out there because it's just fun to get deer on there. Maybe you get lucky and get a couple bucks and say, well, maybe we'll go back and look for some sheds over there. But um, that yeah, I don't I don't put them. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong in thinking that way. I don't really know. Yeah. But that's just the way I've always approached it. But the winter time comes out, you see a lot of tracks, and that's pretty exciting. And you can you can tell a big track from the rest of them, even if they're melted out. You know, you can see tracks that are right next to it yeah. that are melted out at the same rate. And you always find some that are a little bit large and you say, hey, there's a buck running around in here. Right. So maybe come back in the fall. And I love observation stands. I've been a big fan of doing those. I get out there. I'll find a piece where I know there's some deer running around. Just sit a stand. I'll find a, how can I get into this piece? Where can I get and watch that? The deer will never know I'm here and I can slip back out of here. We got a good spot. A couple of years back, we were walking in on a brook. You could walk right in and out of this brook. You could walk in and out of there all day. We shoot deer. I've been shooting deer there for the last few years. and uh, But finding a way to get in and, and observing from a distance, closing in on them is kind of what I like to do, right. I guess. So, well, I was going to say, that brings up a couple of thoughts in my head is that, like, if when I'm going in the woods, it's like, especially in the off season, I'm walking around scouting. It's like, I'm turning on Onyx. I mean, I don't know if everyone here uses Onyx. Yeah. yeah. I have it, but I use it just to know where I am in the woods. Sometimes I, if you look at my Onyx app and Kevin's, <laughs> Kevin's is so busy. I'm like, hey, I got to start doing something you with it. You got some fucking pins, bud. <laughs> I know it. I don't. I, if, if, I look, if, I, if I have a signpost rub or something that really stands out, maybe I'll drop something down on there. Yeah. But sometimes I'll use it to mark where I put a camera. I probably don't use it as well as you guys. Well, so I was going to say, so Onyx is just amazing. It's like, so to be able to go in and and just mark stuff on Onyx, like, so what I'll also do is wherever I've walked, I turn the track feature on, right? As soon as I'm getting out of my truck, track feature is going on. I do that for a couple of reasons. One, it's like, you know, obviously I want to know where I've walked, but more importantly, I want to know where the hell haven't I been yet? Where haven't, where's that spot that I haven't walked? It's like, because I've spent and beat the shit out of a piece of woods. There's gonna be something I missed. Well, guess what? That's probably where Mister Big could could be hiding, yeah. you know, and 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 lurking around. Um, so then, on top of that, marking everything, uh, like I'm looking at, you know, Kevin just popped his phone up, and I'm looking at. He has a bunch of different colors. So when you mark stuff on Onyx, that's another feature that you can really do is change the colors of your pins that you're marking. So with those signpost rubs that that you're marking at him, right? You're just probably standard red, right? That's what they get marked as. Yeah, I right? have a couple white ones. <laughs> okay. Well, the, 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 the white Even ones. With my cameras. I was going to say, so with my cameras, what I'll do is is that, like, if it's a camera that was a where I had one, but I pulled it, I'm turning it to black, right? So it's, you know, it's, it's the camera's gone. Any cameras that are actively there, they're white. If it's a scrape that I think is going to be hot, like that scrape where I killed that eight-pointer on, on September 19th, when I walked that piece of wood shed hunting and I found that scrape, I marked it white. Like to me, it's like that's a spot that any any of the the pins on my camera that are in white, I will go and you can do. I don't know if you guys have used the filter feature. Steal his phone. <laughs> you, you you can go and you can uh, use the the filter feature. So you can filter whatever content you want on Onyx. You can go in and say, I only want to look at scrapes. I only want to look at rubs. I huh. only want to see where my cameras are. I then you can sort by no. color. Okay. So if you mark shit by color, you can now go and say, I only want to look at white scrapes. I want to look at white cameras. 
So what I'll do is anything that is signed to me that is like, Neil, you better get your ass back there. It's like, you better put a camera on this spot, whether it's just a break in a rock wall, whether it's a scrape, whether it's, you know, it's like a bedding area. I'm going to mark it in white and then I'm going to do a filter content. So now when it comes time to, you know, before the season, I'm to figure out where to put my cameras. Holy shit. Back in February, mm. I found the scrape. I forgot all about that. It's like, well, oh, now it's like it jogs my memory. Now I'm going to go back to that Filter. spot. Yeah, and, th- and throw a camera there. So that's where Onyx is huge at, you know, at just like seeing these trends and really being able to identify, you know, it's like, you know, what's like the hut sign. I know something that, you know, it's like, Kevin, you've talked about doing this for you. It's like, it's almost the time of the year, the colors that you use. It's, you know, is it, you know, late season? Is it early season? You know, it's like, so, you know, I know you kind of change your colors doing that. Um, But that is a really key feature of when you're doing all the scouting is, you know, marking everything down and trying to go, you know, and fit and figure all this stuff out of those pieces of the puzzle. So where you've walked, where haven't you walked, what you're seeing for sign. And so I'm marking bedding areas. I'm marking scrapes. I'm marking rubs. Um, and so it's like in a piece of woods, I can now start to kind of see the larger picture after a while and go back and dissect it. And so what do you consider a bedding area in New Hampshire? Just thick cover or so I guess, so that's another thing, right? So there's, you're going to find in the winter time, you're going to find a lot of doe beds, right? You're going to even potentially find buck beds, right? But then, so if you're looking at it from a hunting purpose versus a shed hunting purpose, right? If I'm looking and thinking, okay, let's fast forward to the fall, right? If I'm Mr. Big and I'm a giant buck, am I going to be betting here? A lot of times the answer is no. Nah. There's not cover, right? And one thing that I've learned when we are talking about big mature bucks is they need safety to their back. Mm-hmm. They, they gotta be, there's got to be something that's covering their six, right? So in that standpoint, it, it could be a road. It could be a house. It could be a pond it could be cliff. you know it could a be a cliff, cliff right walls yeah. Are big too. Yeah. yeah so they need to have something to their back so if i find a bed and i see especially in the winter time it's a big ass toe dragon track and it's you know and it's that bed that okay this is something that i just feel it's like especially if there's a rub like you know coming to it or leaving it there's a scrape somewhat nearby is it you know in a swamp is it is it a thicket I need to look at that and ask, why is this here? What is going on? And what is this going to be like in the fall? Then at that point, yeah, I'm going to mark that, you know, it's like as a bedding area, I'll change it just from a bedding area to, you know, it's like, you know, it's like one of those white icons is what I'll use oftentimes. And then immediately I'm looking around for trees. I'm thinking about access. It's like all these different equations that go into it because you just, because you find a great spot, it's like, well, if you can't get there without blowing, without blowing that, that buck out that you're after, well, what's, what's the point of it? So a lot of times, all of a sudden, what turned into a shed mission or a scouting mission is now turning to how am I actually going to hunt this and how am I going to get here during the season? And I'm already kind of mapping it out because, like, you know, it's like what we keep saying, the backup plan to the backup plan to the backup plan. I'm not going to have time to process this information during hunting season. It's like if I'm coming back in here, I already have to have pre-thought some of this stuff out or I'm just coming in. I'm just a fumbling idiot at this point in time during the season when I walk back in the woods. So it's really just trying to take those extra steps. Um, and so then from a scouting perspective, right, then kind of number one piece of advice that I can give to somebody, I guess to kind of like go the opposite of kind of what you said, Adam, right? You were talking about um, when you go ahead and you walk in the wintertime, you want to see a bunch of signs. You zigzag a piece, right? Well, what I'll do is, is if I'm trying to go into a piece of woods to hunt it, I won't walk in the middle of that piece of woods because to me in some ways that's almost useless in a way where I'm only going to walk the perimeters. 
I'm going to go in circle. If you know this is a piece of woods, it's a square or a circle. I'm going to walk all around that piece of woods and anything that I see along the edges of that piece of woods. Okay, is there a break where in between houses where it connects to another piece of woods? Is there hunters over in this corner? There's a shit ton of tree stands. Okay, is there in this corner? Is there no access to park? Is there now no hunting pressure? Does it also connect to a big piece of woods? Well, now I'm seeing more deer sign over here. Now I'm seeing deer sign. I'm seeing buck sign. Well, okay, now well, the only way to access this would be to come from this opposite side of the piece of woods, so that kind of sucks. Well, now i got to look at, just like the other day, you know, I talked about the guy, the old guy sitting on his deck, right, and says you can shoot deer right off, my, right off you know, the deck with me here. Well, guess what? That's a spot that I can access it from if I get permission, right? Because now I'm slipping in. No hunters ever come into that piece of woods from that area because I'm parking in someone's driveway. So like those little things now are all kind of piece of the equation. So I've walked the whole perimeter. I've seen where the hunters are because nobody's entering the piece of woods from the middle, right? So then from that standpoint, big bucks, they don't stay in one spot. They're bouncing around. So they're leaving this piece of woods and they're going outside of that piece of woods. They're coming back into that piece of woods. So where are they doing that from? If they're going to be entering and exiting a piece of woods, it could be, you know, it could be late in the evening. It could be first thing in the morning is there a potential bedding area for that for that deer in that piece of woods or do I need to leave that piece of woods and go into another pocket somewhere else just because I see sign or I get pictures of them there that may not be the spot where I actually you know want to start hunting so it's kind of looking at it you know differently you know when you start trying to dissect maps and you start looking at scouting and what you're trying to you know get out of it I think that's my biggest issue is like <clears throat> we're I look at a map and you can where wherever we hunt I'm like all right this if it's public there's a public parking spot you can see roads behind it and it's a big track of land it's just hard for me to think of the big like you explaining it around we have a, a set of double A batteries <laughs> here. four pack of batteries it, it sounds fucking great and it looks like easy you know for me to dissect that in my head now you times that into 3,000 acres. Right, exactly. Yeah. That's some of the difference. A big right? track of land. It's, is, it's hard to do. Is, so if you're talking southern New Hampshire, you're talking Massachusetts, and you're talking smaller chunks of land, yeah. it's easier to do, right? Now you're talking a big track of land. Okay, throw this battery pack away, right? Yeah. This was just a representation of a smaller piece of woods. Now you're talking we got the whole friggin' table here, right? So now at this point in time, you got to start looking at terrain features. What is going to dictate movement? in this big piece of woods, right? Because now, even if you find where there's a bunch of sign, that deer isn't going to be there very consistently. Mm-hmm. So you got to figure out what's the terrain feature that's going to dictate and funnel movement kind of through it. Swamps, it ridges. Could, there's a bunch saddles, of saddles. Which is right? kind of how I shot my muzzleloader deer this year. Yeah. I picked that out as a spot that deer have to travel through to get from one spot to another. It's a even pinch though, point at the end of a swamp. or Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've got <laughs> steep terrain and cliffs behind me, and I've got a swamp and a pond in front of me. And for them, this just one either walk around the swamp or come right here. We're in front. Come of right here or walk around these cliffs. Mm-hmm. You know, so I kind of narrowed it. That's how I narrowed it down. Yeah, and so with that, a lot of times, like if I kind of like if I'm going into those areas and I'm thinking, all right, like this is one of those spots, right? 
like if you're starting to all of a sudden see rubs, you're starting to see some scrapes. It's like now I'm going into, okay, if I am the buck, like how am I going to walk through this piece of woods? And it's, it's kind of funny. It's like you'll start to realize, okay. If you I'm, almost walk just like them. Yeah. It's like you'll start to realize, like, well, this is kind of where I want to walk. This yeah. is kind of where I want to go. And then it's, oh, wow, there's another rub. It's like, okay, there's another scrape. It's like, or I'm following that <clears throat> buck track. You yeah. Know? It's, it's like, like you're not bumping into them on accident. They're, you're, you're following the same path. Yeah, essentially. But, but then you need to figure out, like, so the other things, you know, you need to think about, okay, like, if this buck is going to bed, you know, it's like, where could he potentially bed? It's like, because then you need to get close enough to that bedding area, which, yes, in the big woods, it is a hell of a lot harder. It's, it is very hard outside of the rut, right, to kill a mature buck in big woods if you're not tracking and just, you know, taking the hunt to them. Yeah. If you're waiting for them to come to you, it's substantially harder. So it's like at that point, I mean, yeah, it's like you got to then kind of find, it's like, I mean, the biggest keys are scrapes close to bedding. Like when a buck gets up out of his bed, even in September or October, they're going to go to a scrape. Like the first thing that they are doing is I'm getting up. It's like, okay, you know, I'm, you know, getting my bearings. I'm smelling the air. It's like, whatever they're going to do, they're going to walk somewhere to leave some sign it's like that's just can you go over like communal scrapes versus just regular like a <clears throat> what do they i know some deer will just make a scrape same with a rub they'll rub their antlers on a tree one time and then they'll never come back to it again in that year same with the scrape yep <clears throat> i've seen scrapes that got like oh this is you know fresh sign it's just a little scrape you can put Pretty a cam- stuff. Yeah, you can put a camera over it, and they'll yeah. never be there. You'll never get a picture. Yeah, of I get community <laughs> scrapes up my way that uh, all year. Yeah, all year. Put yeah, a show up at them. There's a couple of them. Yeah, that they. I, I think care the what month branches, of the year it is. I think the licking branches give them away the most. Yeah. Um, if you find a, if what I've seen from good community scrapes is the licking branches. So are what are you what are you seeing, out. Kevin, on that licking branch that tells to you this is a good scrape? Um, you can you can visually see that they're chewed up, they're broken. Um. There's just the, the the branches are all worn down. There's no um, hemlock needles on the ends of Knotted them. Up. Um, you can yeah, you can see where the branch has hemlock needles three quarters of the way down. Then the last few inches, there's nothing on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you actually see twigs snapped off, um, stuff like that. Um, you know, I've found under beech trees little small scrapes with a beech tree. I'm like, well, there's still leaves on this little limb coming off this beech tree. Like it looks like a perfectly good limb. It's this is probably a one and done type yeah. type of yeah. scrape is what I what i say to myself mm-hmm. it was just a buck cruising through but the the, f- the few community scrapes that i've kind of learned about and found <clears throat> it, you can you can it's you see it and you're like oh wow this is a looking branch that gets hit all the time it's yeah. like it just jumps out jumps out to me how much weight do you guys put into like rubs or like rub lines if any at all i haven't put a, a ton of into it much at all um it it's like i said in my limited experience like i've been learning a lot more the last five six years but before that it was just guesswork but now that i've kind of started learning more i haven't put a ton into rub lines um i found a good rub line a couple weeks ago when i scouted that south and west facing slope well comes sometimes you see him and you're like holy shit so like every 50 yards like, what yeah, what that one told me where it was in the direction it was traveling it was actually there's two class six or four-wheeler trails pretty much going yeah. through this woods there's one that runs right down the middle of it and there's a couple that split off well this rub line kind of came in at an angle right to an intersection of these trails 
And what it told me is this is a spot maybe where these deer are crossing these four wheeler or these class six roads, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of what I looked at it as. Um, because it's closer to where there's people action, I'm thinking it's going to be nighttime movement, but I'm probably going to have a camera on that trail come this summer. Um, just as confirmed to myself that, hey, this is where bucks are cruising to change pieces of woods um, is what I'm going to be using that specific yeah. rub line for. Yeah. So on that, you know, when you asked, it's like, well, how much weight do you put into it? I put a lot of weight because there was a buck there, right? It's like that laid that. But the, the main thing is what Kevin did is he tried to diagnose why, right? Like he wanted to try to figure out why, why are these rubs here? It's like, because there's a reason that they're there. We seem to figure out why, right? And so you had said it's just a way that they're, you're moving through the woods, that they're crossing over there. But there's more to that, right? It's like, well, where are they coming from? Where are they going? It's like, why are they coming and going from there? And so it's like there's a lot of weight to any sign that you find. It's just trying to figure it out. And it may not come to you. You may not figure it out, you know, that day. But it's like you do have to kind of eventually start to figure out what it's there for. So any sign that you can see, it's like, you know, whether it's rubs, whether it's scrapes, whether it's tracks, it's like whether it's bedding you have to just try to connect those pieces of the puzzle and then figure out like within that puzzle, if you've asked why and you've the light bulbs gone off and you're like, Holy shit, this is why it's like, well, how does that help you in your hunt? Like, how does that help you achieve, achieve whatever mission that, that you've set? And so that's different for every person though. You know, it's like what we talked about with setting goals. It's whether it's when you're scouting, whether you're shed hunting, whether you're hunting, are you trying to kill, you know, are you trying to kill that big buck in the woods? Or are you just trying to go out and see deer? It's like, and have an enjoyable hunt. It's like, those are all different things that come into the questions you're asking yourself and the goals that, that you're setting and how you're going to analyze and interpret that data. It's, <clears throat> so when we're at a two in an 40, two, two hours and 40 minutes. Woo. Here yeah. We go. Wow. I want to touch Chatterboxes. <laughs> yeah. I want to touch. I just real quick. I want to do through like a scenario right now. Um, like we talked about earlier. So right now you're, if you're going to go out scouting, shed hunting, um, you find something you like, you set a camera. What are you looking for? If it doesn't work out, what do you do? So I know that you like to hunt scrapes. You like to find communal scrapes. How do you find those? What are you looking for? Licking branches? Um, at that point, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go, and then I have more questions to add into that. So, so ahead. yeah, so on that, so you were saying, I guess you, cause you asked a few questions, so it's like a lot of questions. Yeah, that was a lot of questions. So you got fired up there. Well, it's all good. So I think you were asking like I, one that I heard was how to identify a, a communal scrape, right? And I think you know, I mean, I think you know, Ke- Kevin answered that, you know, about the the licking branches, you know, looking at that, you know, you're seeing. You know, it's like the the end of the branch, you know, looks like it's been chewed up. It's like there's more, you know, the bark taken off so they can put more of their scent on it. It's harder but to find in the winter because it's, it's actually, there's, well, there's, it's just as easy to find in the yeah. winter as it is, it is well, in the fall of the branch. Well, there's nothing on the ground. Yeah, the ground part yeah, is the, the hard part. Yeah. yeah. So you can't see that, like, you know, that scrape on the ground, that dug up dirt, right? Yeah. But if you're stumbling through the woods and all of a sudden you're like, holy 
fuck, there's a branch that looks like it got exploded. Mm-hmm. Well, that that wasn't from any other reason except for, you know, it's like, And you it's know, about eye level. You can, yeah. Yeah. So it didn't it's grow like, that way. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them just kind of jump out <laughs> yeah. at you. Like, no, I'm yeah, going to go I, look at that branch. I've seen them, That yeah. one looks like it could be. And yeah. then from that standpoint, the snow that's there, because that is more bare dirt and more exposed, it's like that is going to look different yeah. kind of from the rest of the snow. So right. even if it's not melted all the way out yet, that will be one of the first spots that melts, though, I guarantee you that. So it's going to show up, you know, sooner. So, yeah, so once you found that, and then, of course, one of your other questions was, is that, well, okay, what if you put a camera there and it doesn't do anything? Well, I may leave it there. I may take it down. That could be, I could be kicking myself in the ass for taking it down because that could be a hot spot come hunting season. Mm. So it's just what we talked about, the percentages, right? Do I have a gut feeling that that could be a spot during the season, right? Just like a rut. Like a rut location. It could be. So Leave it, it and buy it, more cameras. Right. Yeah. Yes. Kevin, you hit it right on the head, just right? Send me the link. <laughs> yeah. So you need to buy a shitload of cameras and just have them everywhere and pay somebody to go check them for you and uh, hope they actually report back in the data. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, so so with that, I mean, yeah, you may put a camera there and it may, it may not, you know, turn out to, to anything at all. It's like, or it could turn out to be awesome. Or it could be shit that year, but the following year it could be awesome. I mean, there's been spots where, you know, it's, it's been one year, it's, it's been awesome. And then the next year it's been horrible. It's like, or I've hit it on the horrible year. I've pulled out of there and I've had someone that says, Hey, have you ever hunted this spot before? And then it's like, all of a sudden, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, I've hunted there before. And I ran cameras and why don't you go check it out and put a camera there. And next thing I know, I'm like, wow, this spot's awesome. It's yeah. like, yeah, I wish I stuck it out a little longer, you know, it's, um, so the, the, there's all that stuff, you know, that, that happens. But it's trying to figure out, you know, like I think with the amount of time that you have, trying to figure out how to best use that time for what you have for goals. I mean, if you have unlimited time, I mean, the, you know, the guys that are sitting here at this table, like we love to get out in the woods. It's like if if you have any spare time, you're going to be out walking. It's like whether it's hunting, whether it's fishing, whether it's, you know, you guys going after the birds, it's like you're spending time, you know, in the woods. It's the, the birds. That's what you're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> Did birds. you call them the birds? Turkey hunting gets us a lot of <laughs> Did deer and the turkeys the birds? <laughs> those, those the dirty birds. birds. <laughs> yeah. No. No, I think this is all, this is great. Like I I I struggle with um I've always struggled with targeting deer. I'll I'll have deer on camera in the summertime and in velvet and everything's good everything's great and you think you're gonna go out there mm-hmm. opening day of bow season and guess what go fuck yourself <laughs> <laughs> everything changes <clears throat> whether it's pressure whether it's the velvet shedding and there's a bunch of different scenarios but it it, it doesn't work out we talked about the on the way up here the difference yeah. between september 1st and september 15th yeah, yeah is night and day yeah it's crazy potentially yeah. yeah we were just saying if you could hunt september 5th here right now the, <laughs> the number of deer that you could have patterned oh yeah instead of september 15th can you imagine yep yeah well then that's where i get back to the percentages though right if you have i don't know 10 spots right it's like where you've had all those velvet bucks that are there one of them is going to stay on that pattern yeah so it's like if you've put enough time in and you've figured out enough areas nine of those 10 spots could go to complete shit they could give you those double birds that you were talking about, but that one spot that's still there, holy shit, it's still there. I can slip in there September 15th, September 19th, and make it yeah. happen. What is the, like, the, the percentage of... You're running mostly cell cams? Uh, so, no. I, I run... 
I mean, I think right now, I think I'm up to about 60 cameras that I run in total. Holy mm. smokes. <laughs> uh, so wow. of that, I mean, I think I have 20 now, I think, that that, that are cell cams. Um, so, I mean, that would be What third. gets you excited? Like, what's the one that you're like, all right, I'm pulling, like, I, this is not pulling cameras because you got 60 of them, but... Uh, Oh, I pull like, I pull a lot of them. Yeah, I'm I mean sure so, you do. so so last year for instance with 60 cameras, I had cameras in at one point I said, "You know what? Let me just do this research thing. How many pieces of woods? Not like, okay, is there a camera here then I directly across the street I have a camera. It's like it's kind of the same piece of woods. I had cameras in 20 different pieces of woods, 20 different areas between Maine, New Hampshire and Massachusetts. 20 different 20 different areas. I mean, so at that point, like, yeah. I mean, sometimes I'm shutting down four of them. And 60 cameras doesn't sound like that much when you talk about... 20 different areas, yeah. Right. yeah. I mean, so... It, but then again, one of the areas, I had 20 cameras. Yeah. Like... Trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I, I had it figured out. I'm just yeah. trying to figure out where I'm going to go kill some shit. Like... Yeah. So, and so that's kind of the difference, is that, like... So at, at that standpoint, the cell cams are great for two different purposes one you can get like in new hampshire close to live updates you can't get live updates but at the end of every day the way that i've had it set and they might be changing this law but the way that i've had it set is is that in the evening once i'm done hunting eight o'clock at night i'm getting those pictures sent sent to me so then you know i'm you know within the the same calendar day law i'm you know not going to be excuse me in jeopardy you know of that law within the same calendar day so then any information that I get happened, you know, it's like that day, the next day I can formulate a game plan, but that's also old information. It's very seldom that you're going to go and get a picture and be like, Oh, I'm going to go hunt there tomorrow. And the buck's going to be there. No, they're on loops, three, four or five day loops. It's so it's just one of those that, um, so from that standpoint of the cell cams, it's great because you're getting that information kind of more up to date is one way to use it. Or I'm going to put it in spots that I never have time to drive there. I'm not going to be able to go check this cam up on top of this right. mountain up in Maine somewhere. It's like I'm not going to drive to, you know, western Massachusetts and, and go check this cam. It's going to take me three hours to go there, three hours to get back, two hours in the woods. Like that is a whole day trip in itself. So there's the thing that I love the most about cell cams, which I don't think a lot of people think about, is that it allows me during a season, instead of checking cameras, I can actually hunt i can scout yeah. i can spend more time being a sportsman people can say that technology can ruin it can potentially ruin the fair chase or the ethical i say no it actually takes me away from checking cameras and researching technology to now i am actually able to just enjoy being in the woods scouting hunting doing something you know as a sportsman and not have to worry about you know checking cameras and stuff like that because the way I use cameras is to char target mature bucks. So it's from that standpoint, it's not just about getting a deer that walks by the camera. So I love the way New Hampshire has had it set up, you know, about the, you know, the nothing in the same calendar day. I think that is great. Um, you know, it's, I mean, I know other states is different. You know, you can get a picture and, you know, go hunt that deer, you know, immediately. It's, so, not the, it, it's almost impossible, though. It, it, and it, yeah, so it is. I mean, so you look if at you it. You get a picture of my camera out back right now, and I go and try to hunt that thing. Like, it's gonna he's gone. He's, he's yeah, yeah. His state was bait site, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, yeah. those yeah. are the ones where yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They bait. So, they're gonna be there for a while. Yeah, yeah. So, so that I totally get in that standpoint. So it's like I know, 
um, you know, somebody brought up a point at one point in time about, I think, I think the law, which I don't, I've never heard this really mentioned other than this one person, just like right now with the bait site, right, Adam, you can't have a camera or you can't have a bait site within a hundred yards of your house, right? Cell cams probably shouldn't be within maybe a hundred yards or 200 yards of your house or, or like maybe a bait site, right? So you can't use it as a live action kind of camera to walk out your door right now. Like, you know, I, I saw oh, sitting I out there, there, there's, yep. you know, the buck target standing, you know, sitting outside the archery target, right? Well, there goes I'll be my right back. plan. <laughs> so, so if you knew you had a pile of apples sitting right out your deck, right? Yeah. And camera says there's buck standing there right now. Then you you, can, you could the, walk out and deck. shoot him. Yeah. Right. But yeah. if at this point, if you couldn't run that cell camera within 200 yards of your house, like odds are you're not going to, if it's out of range of shooting of your house, if you had to grab your gun or your bow and walk out of sight of your house and sneak up on that deer, you're probably not doing yeah. it. Even if you know good he's luck. there right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Good I mean, yeah. because you can be tracking in the snow and you can cut a fresh track in the snow and you can hop on it and it's still, you still have to put your work in to go and mm -hmm. get, to go and get that buck. So that is where, you know, as technology changes, it's the more people that talk about this stuff and discuss it, which is something that I know to me has been really eye opening. that it's like, Oftentimes, as hunters, when it comes to fair chase, we're the ones who put limitations on ourselves. Look at freaking Adam. He's using a traditional bow to go hunt deer, okay? No. He is limiting himself as a sportsman to make fair chase. I am trying to hunt the oldest, most maturest bucks in the woods. I'm limiting myself. So we are putting limitations on ourselves as hunters and setting goals. So the laws make it so there is certain just standards of fair chase, but then we're actually putting further limitations on ourselves and yeah. how we want to do it. Yep. So I think, you know, that's awesome when it comes to setting goals. And so this is something that, you know, it's like, I've kind of, I watched, uh, I don't know if you guys have watched the documentary um, that uh, Steve Rinella put out, the stars, stars in the sky. In the sky? Yeah. 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 They talked yeah. about that. You know, it's like how some hunters with a fair chase, they put further limitations. And so I think when it comes to these laws, it's like they should be there for fair chase, but as the discussion continues to evolve, the more input that's there, the more you learn and the more we can adapt these laws to really, I think, you know, figure out what is the right purpose of how we should be, you know, you know, kind of implementing these laws and how we should, how they should be executed, I guess. Absolutely. We just had this conversation. I think you were here, right? We were having this conversation about Utah just got rid of their cell cams, like mm -hmm. no more cell cams. And I think mm -hmm. maybe just game cameras in general, like it's not fair chase anymore. And I don't I think that it's so far along. I don't agree with that. I don't know. You know, I know. Well, what, I, I just, I, I feel like it's not that far along when it becomes an issue. No, I mean, as here. far as game cameras really giving you such an upper hand that you take the fair chase out of it. Yeah. I've always, you know, especially after I've gotten into tradition the last couple of years, I always said that compound bow or rifle gives you a more of a unfair advantage in a camera ever will. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. mean, you know, the rifle itself, you got to shoot deer 300 yards away. Yeah. Is that really fair chase? You don't even have to chase them. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can just anymore. see them over yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. you're, you're right. You look at modern bows, you you're know, right. especially shooting the archery. I'm limiting myself to maybe 30 yards, 20 is where I really want to be. Mm -hmm. So Brendan's shooting 100 yards with his bow. No, yeah. some He's of these fine. guys are. I see Kevin, you know, yeah. shoot that 3D shooting. He, you know... <laughs> 70 yards, those bonus shots or whatever at that big bear or the lion that's sitting there, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And these guys can adjust their pin and take a shot and, and do it. <laughs> yeah, so I, I if I say, if you really want to take fair chase, you got to take that out of the, not the cameras. I, I, I did 
I don't well, think I mean, a cam- cameras are cool. You get pictures, but don't take my bow away from me. <clears throat> no, 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 I wouldn't. I mean, we buy licenses to, to get deer. <laughs> yeah. That's just an aid to to get us a deer, you know? Yeah. To take that away is, I don't know. I, don't I think it's more the people who maybe don't put the time and effort in and aren't as successful as the people who are, and they got a quick scapegoat saying, well, you take his camera away, you wouldn't shoot a deer. Yeah. Well, that's a bunch of nonsense because I, I run just a, a small handful of cameras, and I've yeah. never shot a deer that I've got a camera, a picture on a camera. Never. And... I, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't think the cameras give you such an unfair. Even the cell cams. I got two of them that I run. They're kind of cool. You kind of get a picture to your phone. You think, oh, smoke. Maybe. And like Neil said, they're, they're great for people who can't get to spots. Mm-hmm. You know, you get land up in Osby. I always thought that'd be a great place to put it. It's two hours out. You're not going to go up there and check your camera. You got to turn it into right. a whole day event yeah. just to see what's going on. And I got buddies who got leased land down in Kentucky and Ohio <laughs> where they lease lease land where yeah. they put cameras out. Right. So, but no, I, I never agreed with that. No, being, no, being I, I feel the same way. Like if you're gonna get out there, get out there. Uh, Although Neil's got sixty cameras, that's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a I, and I'm booby, gonna be getting more. It's a booby trap. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, then with that too, it's like, I mean, even, you know, with the cameras, I also, you know, kind of look at one thing that I've thought, you know, a lot about that I think is kind of a cool concept that you get to talk about on podcasts. I mean, because I mean, podcasts is just a great way to, you know, share information. Obviously with social media, it's like there's a lot of information sharing. So I know a lot of people are able to, you know, kind of mimic what other people have done. You know, I kind of think back, it's like, you know, I wish, you know, it's like 10 years ago. It's like, you know, when I started thinking about getting into archery, there was a model to kind of follow of someone else who had done it before me, right? and i just got into archery because i can start hunting earlier right it's like less pressure yeah yeah i mean for me it was just the the season i grew up in maine i'd only you know gun hunted before so i was like okay well new hampshire now it's like wait a minute i don't have to wait till november i can start hunting september (laughs) 15th holy shit yeah mosquitoes suck but guess what i'm hunting yeah right so so you know it's like so then i start to look at it well you look at all the different states that we have, right? It's like, you know, New Hampshire starts September 15th. It's like Massachusetts. You have, you know, October 4th, Zone 10 opens. Then you have the rest of the state. You know, it's like the third Monday, you know, into October. You have Maine, the expanded archery zones. It's like, so it's like how to kind of put a template with what you want to do throughout the season, whether it's bow hunting, whether it's muzzleloader hunting early in New Hampshire, whether it's late in Maine or late in Massachusetts whether you want to go head for big woods, whether you want to hunt the smaller you know, places, whether you want to do some tracking in the snow. It's like we have all these opportunities right around us. And it's like, you know, it's like I haven't ventured, you know, over into New York. It's like, you know, Connecticut, Vermont, but there's all these places that you can go. And so it's trying to almost figure out, like for me, it's like a map and a template. It's like with, OK, with these states, how do I want to focus my time to be able to enjoy these amazing opportunities, you know, that we have with all these states around us? Last year, I had said, you know, it's like, I think like a lot of people, you know, it's like, I want to start doing some tracking, you know, it's like I've tracked before and I've been successful, but I wanted to chase snow. And unfortunately, didn't get shit by snow. there was not I bake shit. on uh, snow every year. That was my first tracking buck right there. That's four years ago. <laughs> but that I've tracked that bitch for four miles and I shot him in his bed. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> I mean, shooting a buck in the bed. Yeah, that's that's that the, was like the best thing ever. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, with all those, with all those opportunities, it's like I said, set out, said, Hey, you know, I got a 7,600, which on that note, mm-hmm. anyone listening, I'm looking for a 308 carbine and 7,600. I'm just saying, if it's out there, 
Oh, there's one right there you're going to let me take home? No, it's, it's an odd six. Oh, well. 76. I'm looking for 308 because. It's not a 76. It's I, not a semi. It's a pump. All right. You know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, 7,600. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, because I have a 35 whale on that I got. And uh, so from that standpoint, I you know love hunting with that. But I'm looking for something that I can actually afford to shoot. And I have a shit ton of 7.62. It's like ammo. My dad just brought a 22 over. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, but yeah, that's like another thing. So with my gear, I've tried to like make sure that now it's like my guns going from, you know, going from shotgun to muzzle loader to, right. to rifle. I'm going to start running all the same scopes. I'm trying to somewhat go with the same type of feel like in mm -hmm. a gun now. So there is that similarity as you switch the season. So I'm not fumbling for a bolt versus a pump versus you pull it up and it's there. It's there. It's like, yeah. So, um, so that's where though we have all these opportunities. And so it's trying to figure out like, you know, I think for a lot of people, it's like what they want to do going into a season, like what they enjoy, what they have for time and where they want to go that they can best kind of do these things. Because listening to these podcasts, right, it's like you hear or watching YouTube videos. It's like you see these adventures, you see these things that people are going on. And it leads to say, wow, it's like, I want to do the, you know, that, that tracking. It's like, you know, watching, you know, how blood watching Lee Libby. It's like in these videos, like Timmy Bullduck. It's like, you see these people that go and do these, you know, tracking adventures it's awesome. Like it gets you excited to want to do it. Yeah. It's like, then you see other people, you know, being successful. It's like, you know, archery hunting. And so it's just trying to figure out how can I set my season up and have those opportunities to try to, you know, make that stuff happen. And so that's one thing that we have a lot of opportunities. So I've put a kind of a lot of thought into figuring out how I try to set up a season to be able to kind of capture all that where you have New Hampshire, you can, you know, basically bow hunt you know early season in almost four weeks and then you can start you know hunting whether it's you know going into maine whether it's going to massachusetts and then it's time to grab that gun and take off you know for big woods wait and for just, snow yeah didn't happen last year it was a bummer but next year i mean if it didn't happen this year the odds are <laughs> it's it gonna will, happen it's, i hope so there. man that's what i bank on every year i'm like all right if it snows i'm gonna get a deer if it doesn't snow I'm probably not gonna get a deer <laughs> oh, spy point pictures just came in uh -oh. what do we get? got Kevin what you got Kev come on probably whole my lot. cameras are on my table I get a lot of squirrels <laughs> these days <laughs> I was getting turkeys I hadn't I was Turkey surprised season. yeah kind of crazy. oh wait a minute hold on. what do you mean what do you mean hold on well no I was just getting we're gonna some name of, this podcast uh, turkey talk with Neil Pendleton yeah <laughs> <laughs> Mm -hmm. like, I don't believe it. Yeah, <laughs> we're at like three hours here. Let's let's wrap it up. Um, go over the um, the tethered saddle, uh, hanging hanging learn. What is it? Yeah, so it's a, it's a teaching train is what they call it. All right. Yep. Put on by tethered. It's gonna be April seventeenth over at Moore Sport and Goods in Hillsboro. Um, just go online either to directly to the tethered website or they have a Facebook event. Um, Neil and I have both shared it. I'll probably end up sharing it on the New Hampshire Back 40 page here pretty soon, and I'll keep sharing it over the next couple weeks. Um, just have to sign up and just get a ticket for it. Ticket's free. It just gets tethered to headcounts because they're providing lunch for everybody. Um, so that's just another thing that they're adding on to promote this event. They're going to have a bunch of their gear there to try out. Um, or hopefully, I'm trying to spread the word to other mobile hunters, saddle hunters out there to get more people down there just to hang out. See other people's gear, see their setups, talk hunting. We free food. Free food. We, I mean, we talked hunting for three hours here today, and it yeah. flew by like nothing. And, you know, hopefully we get a bunch of people and get to do it again here in a couple of weeks over at Morris's. So, um, yeah, Neil and I are both going to be there with our gear. Uh, maybe we'll convince Adam to come down if I'm he's sure not busy. a bunch of other good people down there, huh? 
good hunters. So. I mean, everyone's just awesome. I mean, yeah. Just yeah, it's like Pat, you want to just go Pat hang Burns out. Pat Burns that Neil mentioned earlier, picking yeah. up giant sheds. I've already been in his ear, like, hey, buddy, you want, bring you know, the sheds. It, bring, it is probably going to be Pat Burns. Like, bring if, the sheds. To bring the sheds. <laughs> it is yes. probably going to be like at. no joke, no lie. There's no expos this year, right? Like they've all been shut down. COVID yeah. has fucking sucked, right? So it's like this is going to be the biggest event probably in New England. If you want a chance just to hang out with hunters and to have a good time, I mean, I, I hope I'm wrong and hope there's something else. It's like that comes up, but I don't know of another event probably that we're going to have. It's like as an opportunity to get people together, to have fun, share stories. It's like to share, you know, experiences, to share knowledge. So it's just like, I hope the turnout is awesome. It's because it's just going to be a lot of fun at an awesome shop, you know, with more sporting goods and with awesome people, you know, that are there. I mean, you know, even whether somebody's you know, an expert, whether somebody's a novice, just everyone hanging out and just sharing that information, asking questions is going to be awesome. So we hope to see, you know, everyone there. It's going to be great. Excellent. All right. Well, I think we're good. Kevin, Adam, Neil, Brandon. Woo! <laughs> 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 deck of cards that loves to lose you don't listen to me and i don't want you to cause we sure have fun throwing my money away you bet high i bet low you're all in and i'm all broke another paycheck down the drain Yeah, baby, when we're together It's like Vegas times three But in the morning I'll know better Cause you're so bad, so bad for me Like a sip of wine Leaves me to drink You're my gateway drug I'm starting to think It's gonna take much more than Just 12 steps So call Betty Ford Call Dr. Drew Save me a bed Cause in a month or two I wanna quit you girl Just not yet Yeah, baby, when we're together You're the only drug I need But in the morning I know better Cause you're so bad, so bad for me down the road past these city lights You got your hands on the wheel and look in your eye I ask myself, is it time to slow down? But the night's still young, we're full of gas Credit cards in my pocket with some living left in We got friends in the next town Yeah Baby, when we're together It's like Vegas times three But in the morning I'll know better Cause you're 
not so bad for me So bad, so bad for me Oh, cause you're so bad, so bad for me Cause you're so bad, so bad for me